0: Hi, this is Olivier Bouchard. This is the yearly podcast I make with my friend Raphael Bennett about the best game and all the games we played, really, during the year. This one is about the year 2021. I just wanted to make a small introduction saying there's a little bit of a dual bleeding during the podcast, but it's not so bad and it should kind of fix itself uh, after a little while. Also, uh, I'm going to use music to bookend the beginning and the end of the podcast. If you want to know what music I've used during the podcast, I will name the game it was from in the outro at the end of part two. Enjoy listening.
1: Hello out there. It is January 8th. My name is Raphael Bennett. I'm here with the lovable Olivier Bouchard. Hello. And, uh, we, are, we are here for our annual tradition of talking about the game of the year. For
0: 2021 yeah what a year
1: <laughs> yeah this this was it i i it feels weirder than last year yeah
0: it does feel in like. all fronts yes uh obviously because of covid but also like the game output that we have was uh it's a little weirder and i don't know i feel like we have new console but like eh. yeah we feel yeah yeah like, eh.
1: And it is a weird, it's, I don't know. No, you know what? I take it back. We have to come in with some enthusiasm.
0: (laughs) No, no. I'm super enthusiastic about that show. Like, it's going to be fun to argue, but like, it feels like, uh, again, we're talking a little before starting, but it feels like every other year we're pretty clear on what the other liked and didn't like. Whereas this year, there's nothing that's like, obviously a game of the generation or a game of the decade kind of thing. Like, whereas I feel like, a few years ago, like, other walls than Disco Elysium would be game that, like, we're going to remember for a full decade. Whereas this year, there's, like, nothing uh, that we're both so enthusiastic about, which makes it very weird to make a top 10 and then to guess what the other person is doing. Like, normally we have the exact same pace, but, like, this year it feels two, like a Two shoot. weeks
1: ago, I woke up to a text message from you saying, Raph, one of your top 10 games is miserable,
0: I fucking hate it, and
1: and you sent me a tirade about how much you hated
0: it and why. Oh, I know that one. Uh, uh, I'm also very surprised that, like, or let's start with a complete wreck of games. Well, they, no, but they always do. We always have a secret.
1: Uh, it always opens up on a weird, again, like, it opens up on a negative note, and then we... Oh, uh, yeah, we, we
0: uh, Obviously, it's not to mean that video games are bad. You and me love video games, and video games are very hard to make, so I understand that even with the best intentions, sometimes people make a bad game, and we're going to argue about those games uh, like we do all the time, and do, like, a commune, uh like a a cooperative top 10 together. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're not shitting on the creator. We just believe that through argument, we're getting new theories and new ideas. And it's fun to do. Uh, we still like each other after the end of those podcasts, but like sometimes we disagree on stuff. Yeah, I think we're saying that this podcast is really for us
1: and for our posterity, so that when we are grizzled old men, we can we can remember what the hell we did with our lives. Yes, uh, which was <laughs> our playing league.
0: too many video games.
1: So um, also, you know, as always, a shout out to uh, to Andrew and Anna, who used to, used to do these with us back in 2013, when we first started recording Game of the Year podcasts.
0: Yeah. And uh, just a little last note, which is a uh, spoiler warning for everything.
1: Yes, uh, spoiler warning for everything. Yeah, everything
0: that came out before, and uh, maybe it will spoil something that come out in the future, I don't know. But like that includes <laughs> movies, books, video games, whatever. Uh, I don't like like, having to refrain to talk about stuff, so, like... And because this
1: is for us, yes. and we know that we don't care about spoilers, Yes, we're going to have the
0: open conversation. And uh, Citizen Kane is sad about his sledge. Rosebud is a sledge, <laughs> so... Now you know. Been warned. You've been warned. <laughs> You've been warned.
1: Uh, and just, you know, just to kind of go through our premise, so as always, this is a three-act structure, so we're going to go through the whole year and then make a short list of the best games of the year, together, Yes. then narrow that list down to 10, and then order that list, yes. uh, which is a familiar structure uh, to anyone who listens to game criticism and podcasts, but uh,
0: it's fun. Yes, and we put our list in uh, alphabetical order, not in the order of release, so it's important to say, and I feel it's crazy because it's a year where I feel there's no uh, obvious game, but it also it's also a year where I feel I missed a lot of game. Like on the top of my head, I haven't played Cruelty Squad yet or Billy Tingy versus the Dragon and whatever. Like I have a lot of backlog still. So if we forget about one of your favorite games, it's probably not because we haven't heard about it because we're crazy and we already bought every game that released this year on somewhere. Uh, we just haven't had time to play it. So we're sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then before we dig into it, um, and we, we sort of talked about this a little bit, before we started recording. But uh, how was your how was your year in
0: games? Weird. <laughs> I felt like those cars stuck in snow. Like with the wheels running and everything. Uh, both on game development and uh, like playing games. was. Uh, I went back to a lot of old game. Like for the first half of the year. And for the second half of the year. I felt like I didn't know where to put my head. Basically. I was just like. Playing a game for an hour, being, okay, no, this doesn't grab me a lot, and then jumping from game to game and then coming back to other game and being, oh, this one's actually real good. Or being, this one's actually real bad with no, like, rhyme of reason. It was just a very messy year for me in games. A good year otherwise, like, life-wise. It's been pretty good for me this year. COVID aside, obviously. Uh, but uh, in games, it's just been more messy than usual.
1: I have a, a similar feeling on the first half of the year because my first entire half of the year, <laughs> as you're very well aware, uh, we played through the entire Yakuza franchise from 0 all the way to 6 and the spinoff games. Yes. Those games are so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very hard to compete with them. But I, I, I did write this down just because I have to say it for our posterity. If anyone had told me, that if anyone had told me any of these things about any of these games, I would have been I would have played them a long, long time ago. But that Yakuza Two is a game about generational divides. Yakuza Three, a game about found family. Yakuza Four, a game about the two thousand eight financial crisis. <laughs> Yakuza Five is all about following your dreams, and Yakuza Six is all about like hereditary and you know the passing on of traditions and our parents and where we come yes. from.
0: These games are so good. So yeah i have to say like i feel every year we do those there's a game or two games i haven't played i'm like oh i'm gonna put them in my backlog and go back to them and uh, this year, again, I'm going to repeat, I need to go back to games because I still have Pathologic installed from two years ago. I still have Pathologic 2 installed from two years ago. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play this game. And Yakuza 7, that, like, I'm 20 hours through, but, like, it's a 60-hour game that's still installed on my Xbox. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I need to play it, but I need to play something this year to, 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 to uh, talk about on the podcast. And I feel like I've been telling myself that for years. And also this <laughs> year, there's been a lot of RPGs I started and played for 20 hours, but they're a like billion hours game that I liked a lot that I would like to finish one day. So I feel like I need to go back to stuff more next year and be smarter about the contemporary game I play. So when
1: we're doing this in 12 months, we're gonna see the the proof will be in the pudding so we'll be able to see how many games are on our list this year in 2019 2018 2019 we had like 50 games between us and in the past two years we've had closer to 80 games between us so next year we'll we'll see if the number has dropped to 40 games yes
0: Oil <laughs> will just grow forever and never it's stop
1: exponential growth is pure capitalism it just goes up and up and up just play we've got to play more games all the time yes Okay. I also wanted to say before we before we get into it, I just just to, to add in one more thing. Uh, I always like to give a, a theme for the year of, of games. Yes. Uh, and you know, you you may you may feel like I'm grasping at straws here, but there's always try. I always try to have some structure. But one of uh, one of the themes that I feel like I, I feel at least about my personal list this year is that a lot of games have a, um, like a complete rejection of genre structure. Uh, for better or worse, okay. and that that can that can appeal, that can um, that can apply to the gameplay side of things, and then the game design, and then also the aesthetic, uh, ex- aesthetic side of things. So um, anyway, I just wanted to mention it. I, I do feel like there none of the games in my top ten have any sort of like consistency in that in that front. They're they're a little uh, they're a little all over the place, and I think that is cool. Yes, even if sometimes it hampers their quality. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm excited to see. Uh, it, it, <laughs> Okay, we'll start, but it's the most curious I've been about your top 10 in a long time, because it's not going to make any sense. Like it's Oh, gonna well, you're, be, you're, same thing for you. Yes, it's going to be a mess. I took notes this year. Oh, really? So my notes are next to nothing this year
1: because of the COVID brain rot of it all.
0: <laughs> so there's one thing I really wanted to remember. So I took a note for a game that is not that important to me, but I really wanted to remember to say that. And then I was like, well, if I take a note for this game... I need to take notes for all game, so I took notes.
1: (laughs) I'm 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 gonna take more notes this year. I really regret not taking more notes. Okay, so next year when we only have 30 games, we're gonna have a lot of notes on all of them. Yes. Uh, All right, let's let's dig in. I'm just gonna adjust my windows here. Uh, Okay, so the first game in our alphabetical list to kick off our 2021 conversation, 12 Minutes uh so (laughs) i feel like you can tell we haven't podcasted in a while too where we're just kind of like staring at each other silently expressing without words uh all our feelings on these games so so 12 minutes is an erotic thriller where a character is stuck in a 12 (laughs) Okay, (laughs) 12 minutes is an erotic thriller where a character is stuck in a 12 minute loop uh it's set in a in a suburban apartment where your wife is about to tell you that she is uh, pregnant. And also in this 12-minute loop, a someone is about to break into your house and yeah. murder both of you. And you want to try and find a way to
0: escape yeah. this situation. Willem Dafoe is going to get you.
1: Yeah, Willem Dafoe is coming to get you. And you, James McAvoy, mm. have to make it right. Yes, that's it. And I guess while we're talking celebrities, also your wife is Daisy Ridley. Yeah, So we've, it's got some star
0: power. <laughs> Which is weird to say about video game this year. Um, I feel like you're the only person in the world that I've heard say a positive thing about 12 minutes.
1: Yeah, I like 12 minutes. And I feel like, yeah, I do feel like this error of embarrassment around it because everybody hates this game so much. But I think that the reason why people hate this game has a lot to do with people being very precious about the narrative and sort of feeling like, oh, well, the narrative's stupid, therefore the game is stupid. Uh, and I won't. I, I know that there are elements of the gameplay that are problematic and uh, and irritating, which is exacerbated by the plot itself being kind of dumb. But it's just a fun escape room where you know you get to you're playing with all the elements in the in the sandbox and getting to repeat things. And even though it is exceedingly violent and exceedingly stupid, it's
0: fine. It's bold. It's okay. Like you, you have to see it as bold to enjoy it. I feel yeah. you you manage to do it, but that's it. Like. Because as you said, because of the gameplay is being it's super contrived and like very like the solution is very specific and you have to repeat a lot of shit to get to the solutions and sometimes it's very unclear what you have to do. So sometimes you're gonna repeat the same sign the same scene over and over and over and over because you're not using the right item on the right person at the right exact time. And sometimes, between loops, if you did a thing or if you haven't done a thing, like, the, you cannot use the same item at the same place, and so clear why, and you're gonna, gonna get punched by William Defoe for no fucking reason when you fail. And it can be really frustrating, like it was for me. So I could not enjoy the story as pulp and as a very poppy thing, because I was fighting the mechanics of the game all the time. And then the story being done, like, it's really fucking dumb. And <laughs> I could like it, again, as a pulp novel or whatever, if, uh, like, it knows, it knows it's trashy and there's tra- Like, I, I've liked the Netflix movie uh, Woman at the Window that everybody hates because it's super trashy and I'm way into that. And, like, I could see 12 minutes being in the same spot for me if it wasn't for the fact that mechanically it's also kind of designed all wrong
1: the yeah the the mechanics don't interweave properly like the the getting to the ending we also just looked it up we were like okay clearly we have figured everything out we've figured out the incest plot line we put we put all the pieces in a row and then we're just not getting the conclusion to roll yes which is you know obnoxious but 85 percent of that game we were just doing the escape room thing and it was very satisfying yeah so one of the best games of the year no no (laughs) <laughs> but indicative of the indicative of the weird, um, sporadic quality of games this year, that it was on my short list for a long time until finally there were enough games that I could cut it from my list and say, Okay, this is not one of the best games of the year.
0: It's literally the game I rated the lowest on my list of the game I finished, to be fair.
1: I didn't know you rated all of your games as you went.
0: I rated only the game I finished. Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, so moving on from there to, um, well, normally I would pass it to you, but I know that I, I want to be the one to say that Adios is one of the best games
0: of the year. Okay. I'm not going to say anything for now. The next game we have on our list is Archvale. I don't know if you've played that thing. I don't think it's your stuff. Anyway, it's, uh, it's very similar to a Nuclear throne in that it's a top-down uh, um, bullet hole shooter, twin-stick bullet hole shooter, but it doesn't have, um, it's not a roguelike. It's actually, like, um, like, it actually has a hate story mode, and I think it plays super well, and it's very, like, I don't know, it's the kind of game you look at, it's like, it looks like any other indie game, in that it's like pixel art, and like, it's a top-down shooter, and without being told that it's not a roguelike, it kind of looks like it could be a roguelike. It plays super well, it's quite fun, but very unremarkable. That said, like, I haven't finished it, but I'm excited to go back to it just as something very mindless I can play for a while and like the difficulty seems to be well um it it seems to be well designed enough and it doesn't seem too hard without being too easy so one yeah I kind of liked it it's something remarkable
1: you know what I'm realizing as my eyes scroll down the the, our list of games you have a bunch of games that I've never heard of yes arch fail included uh so that's that is cool i feel like i'm gonna get a little yeah run through of stuff all right our next game after that for the year is back for blood which is a co-op zombie shooter from the makers of left for dead i don't think it's i don't really like back for blood and i i think i think it's just the aesthetic um the aesthetic quality of it and the level design are just not as interesting as you know left for dead like i i almost sort of feel like the the biggest problem with back for blood is the pedigree of the team that the team that made it, where it's, I the whole time I'm just sitting there comparing it to Left for Dead and feeling like I would like to go back and play Left for Dead Two, which has all that, it just has um, a pizzazz, like it has a panache that um, Back for Blood doesn't have.
0: I haven't played a lot of Back for Blood, but Back for Blood felt way more mechanical, whereas Left for Dead is like um, more of a mood piece thing, whereas yeah, in Back for Blood, exactly. like I never felt. Overwhelmed by the zombie was way more. I felt like I was playing a zombie team Destiny or zombie team uh, Borderlands, whereas uh, Left 4 Dead had very much this more co-op feeling where you were playing character trying to survive the zombie apocalypse.
1: And, and not to not to make it all about Left 4 Dead, but like Left 4 Dead had this quote quali- like Left 4 Dead the whole game is a series of set pieces. Yes, but I never felt like it was interested in um pointing out how impressive it was that they'd made these set pieces whereas in back for blood I, I just had the feeling of them wanting to swoop the camera around yeah. and show show all of the the things that i was about to do and they like, look like it's trying to sell hard sell me on the game as we are playing it together Right.
0: <laughs> but anyway anyway uh, the next game we have is a banners of ruin which is another one of those uh you're gonna hear this one a lot but the roguelike deck builder game in oh. the type of slate Aspire, it's not good. It's excessively yeah. slow. And it's kind of set up in the same way there's a lot of games like this this year that are set up um, where you're going to have multiple characters and every character going to have their own deck. And like it's going to create a, your full deck by mixing up those three decks together. And it's just very slow to the point of being anyway it's too much like a like a full run of that game will last you for three to four hours and like you feel like a lot of the beginning of the run is just meaningless and you're just like fighting very easy enemies and whatever so i didn't play that much i think i did two runs because it was too much so maybe there's a unseen depth in there but like it just felt so under rewarding to play unlike again the city aspire i'm just i'm sorry because we're going to name drop Slay the Spire all the time when we talk about those games. I uh,
1: I wanted to say that I meant to I meant to mention it at the top that I played so, Slay the Spire this morning <laughs> and yesterday morning and the morning before that. And that we didn't... If you go back and listen to our old podcast, like, I just feel so... I I feel like we, we did Slay the Spire dirty. <laughs> like, it should have just been game of the year. <laughs> it's just so we could refer back to... Like, 2018, yes. 2019's game of the year, Slave Spire.
0: It's okay. Like, the art is cute and it's well made, but like, I, I feel design wise, they needed to have more. Uh, it needs to pop more because, like, there's so many games in this genre now and the competition is fierce, and then, like, it has nothing going for it that will separate it from the crowd.
1: Okay, you'll have to also tell me about uh, Beastbreaker. Is the new game from the
0: game with Char, uh, the developer? Well, it's funded by the developer of Tree, and and they did the uh, oh, Galdings, okay. and you may have heard about them because they're the first studio in North America to be officially unionized. Uh, that came out like a few months ago. Uh, it's kind of a, well, it was it was said to be a, an RPG Peggle like, which is that sounds awesome. True, but also not true. It plays more like Beards because, uh, like pool, sorry, because you're you're gonna play a character that is on um, on a top-down map, and you're gonna um, like push that character like a pool ball around, and it's gonna bounce between enemies and make damage to the enemies, and have a PG mechanic for the number of damage to the enemy, and there's gonna be a red zone, which are the zone where the enemy are gonna attack that you need to not finish in, basically. Not finish your, basically, pull move in. It's okay. My biggest problem with it, uh, basically, is that I feel like Peggle is this very dumb game that is very rewarding to play with the music and the sounds and everything. The problem I have with this game is that actually, like, especially the sound design doesn't feel great. So, like, you're playing a game like Hold Down or Peggle where the fun is just, like, breaking stuff and whatever, but it doesn't feel like you're breaking stuff while playing. I didn't like that. And mechanically, I say work as a pool ball, like a pool table and a pool ball. But the problem I have is that the character that you're pushing around doesn't have any physicality to it. So the way they're going to explain it is that the character is going to move for a set length and just stop in their tracks after that length is done. But I feel it would have felt better with, uh, like a physicality where it would just slow down progressively until it completes that. Because it's super hard to gouge, to gouge uh, where your character is going to end up and whatever because the length is unclear and there's no like physical feeling to it. So like it's a game that should be all about feeling like the feeling of breaking stuff and, and gaining point easily by throwing your ball around, but it doesn't feel that great. And then the RPG mechanics are fun because, like, you're upgrading shit and bigger numbers are fun, but, like, the RPG story itself is not great. And it reminds me, well, from the same developer, they de- developed uh, Guardians, I think, was that Apple Arcade game that we didn't like, and it has oh. the same issue of it has basically no bytes, and it's made to be cute, but, like, after two minutes, right. like, I don't care about those characters. So, yeah.
1: Uh, speaking of games, Actually, that's not a good segue. I was gonna say, speaking of games with no bite, I'm gonna talk about Before Your Eyes by Goodbye World Games. Before Your Eyes, I feel like this is a hard one to talk about because unlike a lot of other very saccharine indie games like A Sea of Solitude or, you know, Papo and Yo, which I have no problem sort of saying, hey, these are not effective and maybe a little bit insulting, I think for some people, Before Your Eyes will be very affecting and, like, be very potent. I I really don't like this game though at all. So it's it's a game that's quite literally about like the cascading nature of life and you know the idiom, like your life flashing before your eyes. And mechanically, the way that manifests is by you plugging a webcam up to your computer and then the game is controlled with blinks. So the way, you know, in in gameplay, you'll have a lot of moments that you are sort of trying to pay attention to and, like, have the story unfold for you, but every time you blink, the scene skips. So you're having these, like, really quick successive moments of someone's life that are passing by as you blink. Um, And then sometimes you'll have to control elements on the screen by... You know, like clicking and dragging, like that that kind of thing. So yeah, and again, I just want to say, as much as I don't like this game, like I feel like there are games like it, like a that Dragon Cancer that hit me really hard, and this this just didn't. But basically, you at the start of the game, you are in a boat with like a Karen stand-in mm-hmm. who is guiding you to your you know your end, and then they're asking like, what's the story of your life? And so you hear, you know, fifty percent of the game is you telling telling your life to this Karen figure, and uh, and then they're like, oh, you know the birds are calling, that means you're lying, like, what are you omitting? And then you find out that, oh, your life was not as great as it seems, actually you're dying of cancer, and the game is you, like, you know, the rest of the game sort of revolves around you lying in bed while your family comes and looks at you, and all you can do is kind of blink, and you see your family kind of pulsing around your deathbed. I I really don't think it does anything other than gesture at the realities Mm -hmm. of life being very sad. So, like, for me, it just didn't have too much to say. I just you know at least there is no boss where like oh you got to fight the big monster which is cancer or like you know the big boss the big boss which is depression it doesn't have anything quite like that i just thought it was it was still very sweet and almost um like it sort of has like a pseudo happy ending in a way that's like okay but this is actually there's nothing good in this like this is just miserable and awful and you know and it has that very colorful visual design. For, anyway, it just doesn't feel, it didn't quite feel cohesive to me, but that mechanic is really cool. The yeah, the mechanic is very cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's before your eyes.
0: Okay, the next game we have is Boomerang, boomerang X, and I feel we'll take it down. Oh, really? Okay. It might be one of the best games Oh, game I wish of I'd played year. it now.
1: Uh, what about Bowser's Fury? Not for me. No, me neither. I don't like Bowser's Fury. I don't hate it.
0: But I'm surprised hearing other people talk about it and that, like, it's been talked about this uh, experimental open world Mario and whatever. I'm like, how, how is it more open than any level in Odyssey, basically? It just has, like, linear tracks in an open-ish world with, like, Bowser annoying you from time to time. But Bowser annoying you from time to time is not a good thing at all. Yeah, it's, it's also boring. the whole the whole setting for this Mario
1: game is sort of water based so then you're yes. you, they're kind of isolating you from one level like it's open world but then you're isolated from different level elements by water which just feels like kind of swimming through mud to get to every every level so it's just like a really bad UI decision like you could have just clicked like level 2 but instead it's like no you're just going to hold forward until you get through the sludge water to open yes. up your second world to then you might get to you might halfway through it realize, oh, I need Bowser to attack, or oh Bowser attacked and I didn't need him to attack, and then I have to go find that spot again. I think it's a really bad structure for a Mario game. Yes.
0: I I I, I mean Odyssey did it better by having like literally fast travel points. Yeah. I still like the music. I still like the music and when you're playing a Mario level, it's kinda good.
1: I, I think it's I think it might be my least favorite three D Mario that I can think of I mean it's much shorter it's much lighter than even like a sunshine but I I, I was very disappointed by Bowser's Fury maybe it's also yeah. I, I built it up in my head I was playing Yakuza and then I kept seeing that sealed copy of Mario and I was like, oh there's gonna be a Mario game waiting for me at the end and no nah. no. Yeah. Uh, tell me did you play any boyfriend dungeon I didn't no okay I, I actually I think boyfriend dungeon's pretty good it's sort of a you know three-quarter perspective hack and slash in the, you know, in the style of a Hades with dating sim visual novel elements attached to it. I I didn't finish it, and I think the combat itself is not especially engaging, but it's so easy and so sort of slight that it's okay. It sort of just ends up being a, uh, like, almost like a mini-game change from the visual novel into this dungeon crawling element and back and Mm forth. Um, There's just enough characterization in a bunch of different a Bunch of different places that I I was, I enjoyed it enough to keep it installed because I would like to kind of go through it and at least finish one relationship to see. It, it didn't grab me the way like a you know a dream daddy did or something like that, but um, I was largely impressed with it. I, I like it.
0: Will you take Chicory as one of the best games of the year? I don't know. Will you take
1: Chicory as one of the best games of the year?
0: I wouldn't. I like Chicory, I haven't finished it. I played something like four hours. It's kind of this uh, Zelda game where you have a paintbrush and the color has been, has been stolen stolen from the world, and you can use your paintbrush to recolor some part uh, with your mouse or a joystick in a paint-like fashion. Uh, I think it's very twee in the way a lot of indie games are, but I think it does it a little bit better than most. It's just from that concept, I kind of expected more. I don't know, like, the story never really grabbed me, and I know, like, it talks about trauma later and everything like darker stuff but like it never really grabbed me I just found some of the joke to be actually better than what I see most in the twee game and I would like to go back to it also, I left myself some joke in the universe. I would write sixty nine four twenty <laughs> Oh, I everywhere. wish I could! I think
1: I would have liked this game so much more if I was leaving myself jokes. That's such a good idea.
0: <laughs> so it's been a while since I played it. So like, I might reopen the game and see a bunch of sixty nine four twenty everywhere, uh, which is not that funny, but it's funny to me. Um, I don't it know. Just... It's
1: pretty funny. <laughs>
0: I I I think it's a cool game. Uh, it just didn't grab me as much as other uh, as it did other. So I think it's probably
1: one of the you know it, it belongs in a short list. Like it's probably one of the twenty twenty five best games of the year. I also only put about four hours into it. I did maybe two dungeons. Yes. Of however many there are. Uh, well, sending. it's a it's a two D Okami. Like it's a good translation of that, and there hasn't been one of those in yes ten years.
0: Um, I like how they ask you your favorite food and it becomes your name. Yeah. So like now officially the character is named Pizza because it was the most used food. I
1: uh oh is that true? Like officially, officially on the Twitter, it's named Pizza.
0: Well, not officially, but now when they do um when they post like fan art or whatever, like it's oh here's a portrait of Pizza.
1: Okay, so that's cute. I I was regret when I figured that out. I regretted not naming it something like. Pap's Blue Ribbon or something <laughs> like just some I don't know some name brand alcohol
0: <laughs> yes but see that that's the kind of twee about this game I feel it that does better than most in the game like it's not just twee it's playing with a little with the, the, the wholesome theme and the yeah the and, and, and it
1: feels really good it's a very polished game yes. too like I I was really impressed with it it just wasn't um yeah well, after that we have Shillery Two, which I think is one of the best games of the year. It is. Uh, and then after that we have Critters for Sale, uh, which is I don't know if you remember this one, but it's a, a black and white short story. I, I want to say point and click, but it's it's visually kind of like almost like um, what were they called? Scum games. Like it, you know, it almost has like an old Monkey Island right um, interface that you you engage with. It's uh, it's very gruesome and um, incredibly abrasive. Like, a lot of the sound effects are very abrasive. The visual language is very abrasive. There's lots of, like, flashing lights. And um, anyway, like, not even always violent, but sometimes just, like, really unsettling imagery. Like, uh, if you were doing a... Um, if you were making a scary movie and you were just going to show a bunch of horrific imagery, like, five back-to-back, you would kind of, like, flash them for a second. It sort of falls into that um, that visual language. Uh, I think I actually... I, I was very sour on it while I was playing, and I think that might have been just that I was, it was like hurting me, <laughs> uh, yes. but I actually, I liked it, and I think that the pro, my biggest issue with the game was just how much of a game it is, so sometimes you would have to solve puzzles, but you're solving puzzles in this world that is so horrific to be inside, that even when they're playing very loud noises, I'm like, I can't think, stop, I'm just trying <laughs> to solve your puzzle, like please stop. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, it's like a game screaming at you while you're trying <laughs> while you're trying to solve puzzles. I will say one of the best things about the game is uh, how funny it can be. So like the very very first thing that happens is Michael Jackson sends you a text message. And he's like, "Come to the club, meet me here." And so it immediately puts you off. You know, kind of throws you off balance. You're like, "What's happening? What is this game?" And then if you <laughs> if you answer Michael Jackson incorrectly, it'll cut to you having like a night terror and something crawls up underneath your bed and murders you, and it's a like, game over, start over. <laughs> Anyway, so it's very surrealist, and uh, it, it's it's very much my thing. It just wasn't quite, it wasn't, wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, I guess. Or it was it didn't quite stick the landing, I should say.
0: I mean, it's hard to gauge how much you can be aggressive towards your player, especially for video games. Like I can't, when you're telling me it's very abrasive. Like I'm super into the idea of having like, exhaustion, and massacre as a video game, but like how do you make it that the player can still be
1: able to engage with yeah. and get through this experience that is, you know, involves yes. them dramatically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that sounds interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the, the next game we have is Dark Pictures' House of Hashes uh, that we play cooperatively like we do for all those games. I don't have much to say different than the other Dark Pictures. I had fun playing it with you. It was buggier than the two other, like we lost connection a few times and we didn't manage to finish it because of that. It's not... Also, I was disappointed I wasn't as jump scary as the other because I kind of like how dumb horror the two other games were. I'm talking about uh, Man of Midden and... Little Hope. Little Hope. Uh, That being said, it has a very good twist at the end, (laughs) in a very dumb way, and uh, if you play it co-op, you can, well, there's two characters that are in a failing relationship, and you're going to play one end, each one end of the relationship, so it was very fun to (laughs) be mean with you all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're they're great. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I would enjoy them as much if I wasn't playing them with you, but I've I've had a blast going through all of them. I, yes. It is funny how many people have said that this is the best one, when it is I guess for our purposes like it's the most serious and in some way like even if it's buggy, it feels the most um, like narratively polished in a way that's like yes. no, I want it to be a little crappier, please.
0: <laughs> but like uh, it's funny because everybody says Little Hope is the worst one because of the twist at the end but like little hope is probably my favorite one like to go back to no me too because it's so it's the most ridiculous of the bunch yes
1: anyway yes uh okay i i i have i love this next game uh dark side of the moon I'm not gonna say it's one of the one of the games for our shortlist, although I could I could make a compelling argument that this would be one of yes. our shortlist games. This game rules. It is um it is it is a perfect FMV game. Like it is everything that you want an FMV game to be. Uh, it's got just all the right levels of camp. But anyway, um, the premise of this game is that you are playing a father who, um, who eventually, you know, their kids go missing. And this is after your wife has kind of disappeared. Your wife has disappeared a few years ago, uh, and so your your kids go missing, um, and you're trying to you're trying to find them. And uh, you you know you reach out to the cops, and so they send this detective to come and you know help you find mm-hmm. find your kids, who is played by Rupert Booth. Uh, Rupert Booth of like contradiction fame, and he is just from from the jump. He is um, he is trying to pin this abduction on you, and uh, he's very mean to you. So you decide you're going to take it in your own hands and um, and try and find your kids. And so you're you're exploring this small town. you can go go to the church. You can go to the you know the local shops. You can you spend a lot of time exploring your house in different ways. And the whole time there's this very slight sprinkling of ufo notes and people talking about aliens and you meet this one like kind of crackpot in town who ends up becoming like your partner in crime trying to trying to find your kids and um she is dead set that like there are aliens and aliens exist and you know we got to watch out for them like they're coming and you don't really believe it but you kind of go along with her and um anyway about halfway through the game rupert booth is interrogating you and you get a bunch of text messages from your friend who's like you got to get out of there rupert booth is like He's he's like 3,000 years old and he's an alien. And she starts sending you text messages that have like pictures of Rupert Booth like scrawled in chalk and like Roman statues with his face carved into them. And like all through the ages, this guy has been abducting people and... um Anyway, and then he, like, cops to it. He's like, yeah, I am an alien. I'm going to get you, but I'm going to do it inside the rules of law or, you know, whatever it is. And so all of this is priceless and amazing. My very favorite moment in the game is that after this happens, you're at a total loss. You know, you don't know what to do. Like, your wife's gone. You're missing her. Your kids are gone. You don't know who to trust. And the main character is just, like, pacing around his garden. He's like, oh, my wife. If only she were here, but she was always so obsessed with her garden, garden, garden. And then he throws a shovel and the shovel hits this spot in his garden and it makes this big clank. And he's like, what? What, What's going on? And you find out that your wife had a secret underground base where she stored all of her alien findings and had been logging her connection to the aliens. And she has this device that you're going to use to go to outer space (laughs) and, you know, defeat the aliens. And, uh, And so you do. So you do go to outer space where you have a big confrontation with Rupert Booth and everything Everything is very epic and exciting. And is, I have to just comment and say that it is so perfect. When you get to outer space, there's just like you and your FMV and there's like the worst, best, like green screen effect of just like a flat CG-ish like alien base behind you and the camera's like really close up on you and you're <laughs> walking around. Anyway, this, the game is so good. It's so much fun. And then the very last thing I will comment is that there are a bunch of different endings. And one of the endings involves you getting away but not killing Rupert Booth. And in this ending, he comes back to see your family's, like, having a barbecue. And he, like, knocks on the door and he's like, guess who's back? And then they're like, all right, I'm going to punch you. What are we going to do? And, they, and then Rupert Booth just starts laughing and he points up at an airplane in the sky and he snaps his fingers and the plane explodes. And... <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm sorry for the, the ramble. I just I had to share everything about this game. It's so fun.
0: <laughs> so, uh, last thing, like, I haven't played it. It sounds amazing. Uh, the developer has been uh, a little vocal on Steam because he received a lot of criticism for the quality of the FMV not being the best, turns out, some people <laughs> saying in the reviews, and he just seems like a nicest man. He's like, okay. Like, uh, I'm sad you didn't like her game. Maybe your next one's going to be better <laughs> and whatever. Like, it seems very down to her and nice about it. It's so, so
1: funny because it is this strange... Like, what do you... I guess it's almost like the House of Ashes problem, right? Or the Dark Pictures problem. It's just like this... What you want out of an FMV game is very different than what people want out of a narrative game. So you have to, yes. you have to be able... You have to know what you're getting into. And what are you going to put on the box? A big sticker that says, is crap.
0: Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, and I feel like, I don't know, people take things too literally in video games nowadays. <laughs> people need to have
1: more fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they need to have more fun, except with the big AAA games. Yes. <laughs> that need to be taken seriously. Yes, the next game we have is Deathloop. I'm not going no, to take def- that. No, definitely not. For a while, I thought that the thing they did about having... Uh, like a time loop structure with linear quest in it was cool until I saw another game doing the same thing this year and doing it better. Otherwise, I really do not understand the praise about that loop because it felt like I use the same tactic all the time of the game and the first uh, visionary I killed is the first you need to kill in the ending loop when you wanna end the game. So I ended up killing that single visionary something like 12 times. And doing it exactly the same way every fucking time. Did you finish it? Never de- Did hmm? you finish it? Yeah, I finished oh, the game. okay. Sorry, I didn't and the know. And <laughs> the story's not good. I don't know if you know about the twist, but basically... What's her name? I forgot her name. Is it Juliana? Yeah, Juliana is Cole's daughter. Mm, I didn't and know It that. doesn't... That doesn't quite Yeah, work. it doesn't... Uh, in, it doesn't add anything to the story to know that. Like, it just exists as a twist to be a twist. There's nothing that happens really in the way that's like that's gonna change what you see about the game. Like, it's very much matter of fact about oh, you start the loop, you need to finish the loop, and it's what happens. And none of the visionaries become interesting character to kill for me. And again, like most of the time this game was repetition to me because when you find a solution, you always repeat the same solution. And it's crazy to me how much Arcane get praise. And I'm not saying that they're a bad game, like they're an interesting game with a very interesting level design, but I think Itman is doing everything they're doing, but much better since the beginning of the Hitman trilogy. And like everything in Loop, like there's only one way to do the ending you cannot like, create your own plan and how you're going to kill all the visionaries and you need to kill the whole eight visionaries in a day is the way you finish the game. So every time you fail, you need to restart from the beginning and do it the exact same way, whereas in a Hitman game, there's actually like multiple scripted ways to kill a person and multiple unscripted way to kill the same person and do the same objective, whereas this is like, the level design is open but the game itself is not. So you just end up when you realize that you can run around shooting everyone, like, there's no good reason to do anything else than that.
1: Uh, yeah, I was, uh, there was a moment where I, I, I'll admit, like, there was a moment with this game where I was kind of gleeful. Like, that moment that moment where you feel like, um, like your possibility space is endless, where you're sort of like, oh, okay, I can do anything, I can go anywhere. And then I soured after one, maybe two nights, because I realized that the whole game was full of the quest marker. And uh, there's so much exposition that is just dumped in text. And the game doesn't lend itself very well to sitting there and reading text. Like, that's not the style of game that it is. So there's just, I I just ended up being, um, like, kind of hate playing it for another night. And then I took it off. I just ejected it after, you know, I I, I got more than halfway through. I I killed most of them and then was just like, I can't anymore. I can't follow this quest marker.
0: But, like, again, at the beginning, I was very... It's a game that starts and you feel like this very big possibility space, like you said. And you think you're going to do like a lot of shit in this world. And the more you play, the more you realize how linear and shallow it is. And by the end of the game, you're just doing this very linear quest to kill the eight visionaries at the same time. And it feels like not a great shooter.
1: I mean, I think it's very clever. Like the actual design and sort of like forgetting the ending. Like I think that sort of the four level designs that you repeat like it's a it is a smart way to avoid the you know the dishonored problem of having like oh there are three pathways and you only see one of them like I think it I think it kind of works on paper it just doesn't it doesn't manif- It there's no it never finds the way for you to engage with it in an interesting way because like you said once you figured out the path that is most efficient then you're just stuck repeating that efficient path over and over yeah. and over again
0: well and the thing in like the Zoner, there's three pathways, but you're only gonna see one. But like, it's important to have the the content that, like, a lot of AAA video games forget about that. But like, the Souls game are good at having content that you're not gonna see, but you're gonna feel you're missing out on stuff. And the Zoner would give you that. But whereas, I'm gonna play that loop, I'm gonna try one pathway, and then I'm gonna try the other pathway, and I'm gonna be, why did I even try the second one? I just end up at the same place and nothing changed. Yeah. Whereas I don't know. I think Hitman does more. I think other game managed to do more with this. Like unlike Prey, let's say, I feel like I've seen everything that Loop has to have in, has to show in one playthrough, but nothing was really interesting. Whereas Prey, it's not a game. I it's not my favorite, but it's a game that felt bigger than what I've seen from it, and gives it kind of this feel that when I see people that mm-hmm. love Prey, I can understand why. Because there's a lot of unknown in this game for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said.
0: Uh, I like that story a lot. I'm gonna bring it. Oh, okay. Wow, that is not one of the best games of the year.
1: And you know, I'm you know, I'm just teasing you.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, the few game, uh, I I don't think you played them at all. Nope. So Dutch ball Academia is like um like a JRPG where you're going to the Dutch ball school in the world and you're this. Uh, little young boy, uh, his family doesn't want him to be a dodgeball player, but he wants to be the best dodgeball player ever, like you can see the thing. And it's kind of this uh, Harry Potter, or or I I know there's a name for it, but uh, uh, Witch Academia in manga and whatever. It's kind of the setup where you're going to school and meeting all the school bullies and your school friend and whatever, and you're playing these kind of dodgeball game as the fighting mechanic of a JRPG. It has a really strong personality and a really strong art style. Like, uh, the, the characters are Candidate and Drone's sprite, and they have a lot of personality. Like, uh, your first, like, helper is going to be, like, he's literally a living balloon, basically. <laughs> so he's bad at dodgeball, because every time he get a dodgeball, like, he just flops or something. And uh, it's really nice. The big problem with this game, basically, is that the combat, like, the dodgeball game is not good which makes the JRPG uh, stats not interesting to go through because the dodgeball game is like, it's too slow. And it should have been like something very fast and quick and like reactive like a windjammer is, but it feels just very slow and very easy. So they put a lot of fighting in your way and it becomes like every other JRPG where every time a, a fight starts, you're like, bah, I don't want to grind the, the, through the, this anymore. It is
1: action combat though, right?
0: it is action combat but it's really slow and not good and it never feels great and it's also very easy so it kind of brought the game down i have heard it's like 10 hours i play five hours of it uh and i really like the personality and all the character and everything is super fun but there's too much combat, and I like it. Does the the Pokemon thing where there's going to be a dodgeball player waiting for you, and when you pass by them, they're just going to run at you and be a we need to play dodgeball, and it's cool in concept, but yeah, I it understand. just doesn't work gameplay wise. Uh, I'd be interested to finish the story, but like going slowly through it, like after five hours, I was done with the combat, and it was kind of a grind, which is disappointing. I think it's pretty well made, and uh, there's a lot of potential. I think it's the first game from that dev, so. Like, I'm excited to see what they do next, but uh, yeah. The next game we have is Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, which is kind of, obviously it's a follow-up on the whole Dark Alliance game, which were kind of console Diablos. And this one is made more in the um, Vermintide style of play. So it's like level-based, like a, or destiny level base but when you're gonna go back to the hub hurry after you're gonna get loot from the mission you've done and you're gonna equip, equip better loot and do that stuff cooperatively with up to four people it looks cool and it seems interesting and you're playing dress then and whatever like cool people from the dungeon and dragon universe which i don't care about <laughs> but still like some people do care about that but it plays it plays really badly yeah, it kind of broke the mm-hmm. game because I feel like it's this kind of game that, like, could have been a success because it looks good, everything moves well and whatever, but it plays like shit. I feel like if, if it had played well, like, it could have been as big as Vermintide, but right now there's no reason why you would play this instead of Vermintide, so it didn't grab me. Right. And, uh,
1: yeah, I, I, never, I never even launched it. I
0: had it downloaded for a
1: while and then just had heard yeah. so many bad things, but like, all right, I, I got other stuff to play
0: um next game we have is ender Lilies, a quietest of the nights which was sold to me as like this year's hollow knight um uh, so it's a 2d metroidvania where you play a little girl and you're going to be helped by ghosts that are going to be your new abilities i don't know why people like this game i really i'm a sucker for metroidvania like i like metroidvania as a structure i think they're like, it's probably the most basic interesting game structure for me, like classic interesting game structure for me. Uh, that game fails uh, as a basic metroidvania because the map doesn't make any uh, physical sense. And you're going to move from areas to areas. And sometimes, like, you're going to pop up an area, but, like, when you're going to spawn the next one, you're not even in a place that makes sense oh, that's, with the place that you came from. Strange. And, like, it, it doesn't work, so there's no world building, and then it doesn't feel great, unlike Hollow Knight, to me. Uh, the art is really good, but there's basically no sound effects, so it, like, it, doesn't, it feels incomplete on the sound department. I don't get why people latch onto this game. I don't think it's on the level of most Metroidvania, let alone Hollow Knight. So, very disappointed in this one. And...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Did you play Far Cry Six? Nope. Never did.
1: Look at look at me. I'm pulling it off. I'm not playing everything just because it's there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I bought uh, Far Cry Six with my brother because it's the one you can play co-op. It explodes well. It's a Far Cry game. There's not that much stuff interesting, and the the story is still way too serious for them. Like the story starts super serious, but then after they give you a crocodile companion you can launch on people and like the crocodile will comes out from nowhere and bite people and whatever and then like me and my brother would we'll just move in a tank and like don't even get out of the tank and just get the 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 small like there's always small settlement of enemy you need to liberate and we just move in a tank and like blow them up and like not even stop continue to the next element and like we like liberated the map this way and we just thought it was very funny that we were doing a revolution in our fucking tank like it's dumb it's shooty shooty it didn't change from any other Far Cry, I know some people are complaining about the progression, but whatever, like the progression could be loot or whatever, like it doesn't change what the game is. In general, I think Far Cry games can be very fun, but they're very tired right now, and I don't want to applaud Ubisoft for them, but I had fun playing at co-op with my brother. Do you think yeah. Far Cry,
1: if if they weren't so tired, do you think it still is among the best AAA open worlds? things like if you you know if you set aside the tiredness and you set aside if you set aside Breath of the Wild let's say
0: yeah well if you're to look I want to play an open world shooter and there's like or an open world like video game whatever and there's like Far Cry Watch Dogs Halo's better mm, but like Halo. you know in the AAA well Halo Halo's better we'll talk about Halo later but like it was not as tired I feel if you want to buy a mindless game I would tell you to buy Far Cry before like Assassin's Creed before Watchdog before but all those are also Ubisoft games so it's kind of eh
1: yeah. it's just funny because I, I really did you know Far Cry 3 I really you know in my head it was so I have so many vivid memories of playing that game in 2012 yeah. or 13 whenever it was 12 I think anyway No. Yeah uh okay next up we have forgotten fields so you didn't play this right Nope. okay uh i think i played it on your account (laughs) yes you did forgotten fields it's um very low stakes you know um coming of age story you're you're playing a young struggling writer who's got a little bit of writer's block they're going into their second novel and they they have um all of their friends are in town um Basically, like, you all happen to be in, in the right spot while your um, your mom is selling your child at home. So it all sort of culminates in you and your friends and your mom kind of having one last dinner together now that you're all kind of fully grown up and, uh, you know, you all have different sets of responsibilities and different, you know, different, different baggage, I guess. And, um... I thought it was okay. Uh, there, you know, there are a few, you know, there are a few vignettes where you are playing kind of your own story, you know, the the book that you had written, and you know, everything sort of mirrors what the conversations that you were having with your friends and family. I think that really, like, a lot of slice-of-life indie games, like, they, this is really striving to be something like a great American novel, like a Kentucky might be, but then the the actual, like, performances and writing and kind of everything doesn't quite jibe with the intent of it. So it it just ends up feeling a little bit—it's not even toothless. It's just sort of—I don't know. I don't know what the word is without just sort of being mean, but it all it all just sort of feels like it doesn't hit home. Like, it, it just kind of feels like it has an idea and then just doesn't do all that much with it. There is one visual scene that I adore in this game where you were— um, you go swimming in, in like a great in like the ocean or a lake or something and you're uh, you're just kind of bobbing up and down in the water. and so there's this very cool visual effect of your head sort of coming up and down you know, beneath and below the surface. Uh, which anyway, a lot of games have done and I, I actually just really maybe it's just me having like claustrophobia and sort of being afraid of water in that way. So I was very impacted by it. But for, for the most part, I just thought it was you know there are a lot of games that have this story and I thought other games had done it you know more effectively. I think it's just too much competition for games and movies and books trying to tell this exact same coming of age story. So, right. Okay, so I also have written down here, and I said I would explain, but I wrote down Fortnite, and it it wasn't just Fortnite, the worldwide phenomenon, because I didn't I didn't engage with that. I didn't play any round of Fortnite. What I did play of Fortnite was I did attend Ariana Grande's one-of-a-kind musical sensation so i just wanted to comment on it because it was a very interesting moment of my life where i realized i i was no longer with it uh so i redownloaded the fortnite client showed up to ariana grande's concert and it wasn't it wasn't a concert it wasn't what i thought it was going to be it's not so much that she performs music but that you go through a visual experience where i think i think what was happening was i was having the plot of fortnite recounted to me so I went down, like, a slide, and there were lots of pinatas around, and there was some dubstep, I think, and then I bounced on some maybe trees or something. There was a lot of bouncing and sliding, and then I didn't know what was happening, but then at the end of it, Ariana Grande shows up, and she was, like, a 10-foot-tall version of her, and she kind of, like, appeared from the cosmos, and she had a big hammer, and then I think I think she is the one responsible for, like, creating the next season of Fortnite. Like, she did something... Um, but there was a lot of everybody doing like emotes and dances, and everybody was kind of flossing around Ariana Grande while she played little excerpts from her songs. At some point she was climbing a staircase and everyone was kind of running up different staircases around her because she was 10 foot tall and I think we were in heaven and she was there. and then uh, it all ends with you just sort of like parachuting from the sky and and that's it. Like I think she created I think she created Fortnite. Okay. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, I was just excited that Ariana Grande was there.
0: Yeah, well, I'm pro Ariana Grande, so
1: yeah. It starts off, and it's you know all, you arrive in this black void, and you and a bunch of other people are there, and you're all just dancing in a void, and then you just hear when, when raindrops, raindrops fall, fell. and there's one like teardrop falls from the sky, and then that's how Ariana Grande shows up. Well, no, that's cool. Um, and uh, there's there. I, I did laugh. There are many. They only they go through like a um, a medley of Ariana Grande songs, and they, I think there were two of them that had to be censored, and I just I just okay. want to be like, well, she's got like she has a whole body of work. Just pick a different song. Just don't do one of the yeah. censored songs. Yeah, well,
0: it's one of the most popular, so they have to play it, but they cannot be rated mature, I, so like, they have to censor it. Uh this done, but like it, it's very funny. Like I love Ariana Grande. I'm not here to criticize her, but like some of her songs are really fucking dirty. So <laughs> the fact that like it's associated with Fortnite and kids is kind of fun. But well, whatever. I think
1: it I was know. six. I think one of the songs was 69. That
0: well, it's two numbers. Well, 34 and 69. Yeah, yeah, but yeah,
1: but like they didn't have to play that.
0: Yeah, it might, maybe <laughs> it know, wasn't. Maybe
1: it wasn't that one. Maybe it was. The t- positions or something. Anyway, there's again yes. a whole body of very popular <laughs> music. <laughs> no one would have been like shocked if you just played a different song, like Thank You Next or something, just to <laughs> just to be sure. appropriate. Anyway, I just wanted to share. I will download Fortnite again if Carly Rae shows up for some
0: reason. Yeah, I'm sad Carly Ray is not on the level of uh, yeah. Ariana Grande to be in Fortnite. But, uh, you know, I, they got me to download the client. The system works.
1: Yes, it works. All right, I'll leave it to you to talk about Forza Horizon 5. Unless it's one of the best games of the year and you want to save it.
0: Um, yes and no. Like, it's probably one of the most... Like, if we're talking the open world game of the year that you need to play... Not that you need to play, but, like, my favorite open world to be in to just, like, do random quests. It's probably Forza Horizon 5, because they're just nice world to drive in and to have a road trip in. Uh, That's it. Like, it's quite similar in the Ford game. Like, they change a little of the um, of the structure around it, especially for the main quest now. Like, it kind of it's like, different uh, racing type, which all have their main quest. And when you do a full one of your 3 XP bar, when it's full, you unlock a new... Uh, story quest that's going to be something like find uh, a few picture around this area or like go drive close to the volcano and shit and like it lets them have a set pieces moment where you're going to drive around a volcano or planes and shit uh without like having to force you into those um activities i really like those games it's just like it's it's hard to be impressed by them anymore because there's so many, but like as uh oh, I've got my new console that is very powerful. Just show me what it can do. Like Forza Horizon, is kind of one of the best thing around and I really liked it. And there's Doom songs as Unlockable uh, Horn and I got one by Luck and I'm very happy. about it.
1: I didn't know that. That's
0: funny. Well, now that they have the best thing, like they have stuff like... Uh, I don't know if they have this one, but like, I'm sure there's like, oh, I got an arrow to the knees, uh, <laughs> like sentence or whatever. And they have Windows uh, boot up song, uh, boot up noise, which are nice to have some Brian and No in your uh, Forza Horizon. But like now they also have better stuff shit. So you have doom song. So when I press my horn, it just go giddy, 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 and do the whole thing.
1: The only note that I have for Forza Horizon 5 is that outside of these things that you have said, which all sound amazing, I, I did feel like the music did not grab me in this one the way it ha- it did in Forza Horizon 3 or 4. Um, like, I, I but, never got a... Um, anyway, I never got a song that I, I even, like, recognized and got really excited about. I felt like there was a lot more house music in this one than the others.
0: Yeah, but there's two Alipa, so maybe you just oh, didn't get... There? Hmm. Yeah, there's Jolipa. I think there's Levitating. I'm not sure.
1: Oh, okay. You know what? If I could, I take it all back, I desperately now want to go play Forza Horizon 5 and get Levitating to come on.
0: Good. Uh, So that was it. Uh,
1: Tell me about Fossil Corner. I don't don't know what this one is either.
0: Yeah, Fossil Corner is a very small game that was sold to me as like this very casual thingy where you are in your desk and you receive, uh, you are in your office at your desk and you receive basically uh, shipments of fossils uh, that you need to organize by family. So it's gonna be like a bunch of abstract shape and uh, like they're gonna, it's hard to explain, but in a family tree, basically, they're gonna change. Either the shape's gonna change or the color's gonna change or the size is gonna change and you're gonna get a bunch of fossil and you have to reorganize them in order of how the family went, basically and you get more money, which lets you order more shit, which lets you like put picture in your office and order more fossils. It's okay, it's a cute casual game made by a single developer that was recommended to me, and I just want to shout it out as a fun thing, but there's been so many games this year that I un- uninstalled it pretty quickly. Like after 30 minutes, I was like, okay, I got this. Like it's, the, the puzzle itself, like they're not even puzzled in that there's just one solution. and It's more just just a recognize the pattern kind of thing. So it's not it's never that hard. It's just a thing of like like a Sudoku. It's like on the, uh, like unpacking the pattern. Basically. Still, it
1: still sounds kind of neat. anything that makes me think. Oh, is this like Will Mott's warehouse? Is worth looking at for at least the half hour.
0: Yeah, uh, it's way more chill. It's really something to unwind, okay. basically.
1: So tell me this, is Genesis Noir one of the best games of the year? Uh, no. No. Okay, I, I don't think so either. So Genesis Noir is a jazz, jazz-themed jazz game about the start of the universe. Yes. Uh, and you play a detective who witnesses a murder right at the start, and um, that almost feels superfluous to the rest of the game, which is very experiential and sort of oriented around the aesthetic the aesthetic joy of being in this um kind of pulsating black and white wireframe world yeah and uh i i love the mood so so much it's really just a question of playing the game
0: yeah it's probably one of the coolest looking thing ever made like it looks amazing and like i say it looks amazing the graphics are great but just the camera work and how like the art moves is also itself very incredible uh, yeah, the problem is really it doesn't have much gameplay except for a few times. like there's a, a bit where you play music with a uh, called like in the street that's really fun because then you interact with gameplay and you can kind of understand what you're doing. like if you're playing you note know, higher or lower you know it's gonna sound. like the, you know you're gonna how oh, you're gonna change the pitch or you can like kind of expect what you're gonna do, but most of the time you're just clicking around for stuff to happen. And it, I feel it kind of get tiring, and it's much more like a visual, a a visual piece than anything else. But like because it's very linear and doesn't have much of a story, except except some ramblings about the Big Bang and shit. It it just became really uninteresting for me after a while.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I just I wish it were two hours long, and you just got to poke at every tableau for a second, rather yes. than being like I, you know, five to six hours long, and there's a lot of kind of oblique puzzle solving in it and but you know every time i'd even get to a new vignette i'd be like oh this is so cool what is it and then i'd have to engage with the game and i'd say
0: oh, yeah I don't know. and i hated the ending the endings way too long
1: what happens at the end i don't even remember I did well you
0: go back through all the scene but now they're happy and oh, puppy and right, stuff but right. with color and it's like when i realized i was going back to like scenes i've already seen i was like oh there's 10 of those like coming. <laughs> like I was remembering all the scene we did. I was like, oh I need to do that like ten times over. I was just tired with it. Yeah. At that point.
1: Uh okay, talk to me about Gloomhaven.
0: So Gloomhaven uh obviously is the adaptation of the citizen game of board games. So basically <laughs>
1: <laughs> It took <laughs> me a second to process that you what
0: you had just said the Citizen Kane of board games being the best board game ever made, if we believe uh, board games review, whatever, like one of the board games, uh, like the IMDb's of board game put it at the number one, so it might be more like a father of board games. Anyway, it's not important.
1: No, no, let's keep pursuing this. (laughs) Let's keep going Uh, on this
0: So, a is this very, okay. So it's an addition of this very, very heavy 200 bucks board game that you can instead buy for 20 bucks and play on your computer. And it's the, basically the exact same thing, except there's a new mode on the computer that exists only on the computer. And, um. The biggest issue with Gloomhaven, the board game, is how heavy it is. And now when you show it to friends, friend, they're like, what the fuck, I don't want to engage with this thing. So it's cool to have it as a board game. That being said, like it's still, a, it's still better as a board game, I would say. I, I really love it. So it works kind of as a fantasy uh, XCOM. But the thing is, with is all your moves are on cards, but it's not like a deck of magic that you draw the card. You all have the card from the beginning but and you're gonna use two turns, but every time you use them you discard them so you're not gonna have them for later in the game and when you don't have cards anymore you basically die uh so like it's a little more complicated than that but like it has this very Crazy thing where the move you're going to make at the first turn of the game is going to influence what you're going to have access to at the end of the game. So, like, every move in this game feels like this very extra strategic moment where something bad can happen or like it's going to fuck you up later, even though you're at the beginning and you're just moving around your character. So, it's this like very heavy and involved turn based strategy game that is there's so many. I feel like good design in a game like this is having to make interesting sacrifice. And Gloomhaven is like constant interesting sacrifice. So when you're going to get damage, you can discard card instead of getting the damage. But then if you discard the card, you don't have them later and you cannot use them as move. And maybe you're going to get exhausted and have no card in your deck. Like closer and it's always stuff like that. So every move in this game and every choice feels like a game ending choice which is great as design was except that it's very heavy and it feels very intimidating for a new player because it's like like i'm telling that to my grandma's playing scrabble normally that oh no the move you're making now i just explained that game that is way too complicated for you to get is gonna bite you back an hour later like it's a board game for people that like crazy board games and i think it's really fucking good that said like i still rather play the board game than the main game itself like i've ordered frost haven and i still rather play frost uh the board game that i'd rather play it on a computer and i still find kind of weird that i would say it's one of the best game of the year i think it's probably one of the best game of the year but it's not in my top because like i'd rather i have um So they created Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lions, which is like the beginner edition, basically, which is a smaller quest than the original Gloomhaven. Uh, And I'd rather play that than the video game. I
1: was also going to say, I feel like putting this on your best games of the year would be stretching our rules for... Yes. ...an original game for this, for 2021.
0: Yes. But uh, it's a very, very good adaptation. Like, the graphics are good. Uh, It's an adaptation of the... Another thing, like, XCOM is a little more interesting, whereas this is very much a linear quest. And if you fail, you just restart the level, and if you win, like, you go to the next level. And it, in a board game, it works, but, like, it feels, like, compared to an XCOM where there's more of a, medag- a meta game going on, like, this more l- limited, but whereas... In a board game you're just gonna play oh we're at this quest or so we're just gonna set up this board and play this quest like it makes more sense in a board game sense uh whereas the meta game itself is not super interesting for a video game itself did you play with people online no no
1: like no sorry i mean online but like you didn't play with friends or anything
0: i played with people on the board game with just one other people okay but like it doesn't change that much. Like it's just it change how many characters you're gonna play with. And I, I really do think, like if you're interested in the game, you should try it on the, on the PC because like it, it's really a cool tabletop adaptation of what an XCOM like would be on a board game. And it's really, really strong if very intimidating.
1: Cool. Okay, so next up here is Griftlands which is by Cly Entertainment and is a narrative-based TCG. So it sort of plays like Slay of the Spire, but has huge narrative elements. I love the visual design of this game, and um, sort of the world-building feels really impressive to me. Uh, I never I never sunk enough time into it to feel like I had a good grasp of what was going on or how I was impacting a run. And I, I all I can say is that I assume that's because I just when I'm playing a game like A Slay the Spire, I'm not really looking for a big narrative epic.
0: Uh,
1: But people seem to love this game.
0: Yeah, people seem to uh, love this game. It didn't catch me either. The problem I had is that the narrative stuff felt very disconnected from the card game I was playing. And I know, like, the game's going to ask you to make choice. And, like, let's say you meet a mercenary on the road and you can help him or ask him to be in your your group with you and then it's going to change your cards. But, like, the card game felt very abstract, whereas the narrative game felt, you know, a narrative itself. And it never meshed well for me. It's kind of why I didn't... Uh, this game didn't grab me.
1: Yeah, there's there's a part of me that still wants... To go back in and like force feed it to myself and say hey i'm gonna love it one day because i yeah. love this genre but yeah i don't know i don't have much more to say on it
0: i played like three or four hours before quitting because like i was like okay no this is the next slate spire like everybody else loves the spiral loved this game i should love it never never called it
1: yeah okay so next up we have marvel's guardians of the galaxy by uh hometown square enix montreal this game there are very few other like this is the game that i feel almost most compelled to just write on i've had so many complex thoughts about it because i'm i'm annoyed i don't like it more than i do but also i have been I, i don't really like it at all i don't think and everybody loves it and i can't figure out what's what's wrong with me and what my issue is um this is the story of marvel's guardians of the galaxy and their fights with adam warlock and thanos and other characters from the marvel fiction it's being praised for its writing which is fine the literal banter and writing is okay it reminds me a lot of like uncharted 1 like there's a lot of good just like people sniping at each other kind of while you're walking around
0: I haven't played a lot of this game. I did the first two mission. basically. It's very linear, as far as I know. And I was reading how they created a system to have people interrupt each other, which is really cool, like, themat- uh, thematically and whatever, if you're playing a crowd of misfits. But, like, it's really cool and technically difficult to make video games where it, lo- it sounds like people are talking to each other and, like, interrupting each other and talking over each other. That said, like, every time they talk, I'm like, I hate these people. <laughs>
1: well this is it yeah i just don't i don't really care for any of them very much and i can't i don't know if i I can't tell and maybe this is why it's a me thing it's like i can't tell if it's because i dislike marvel so much or if it's because i don't like these people like it's one or the other like it's either i don't i'm not jibing with the story or it's that i just hate marvel and i can't see past my marvel dislike and i'm the problem
0: and you know i haven't played a lot but it's hard to not see and they don't look like they're like character in the Marvel movies because they don't have the rights to use Chris Pratt but it's hard to see that they're you're still taking from them enough of the personality that like it's very similar so like it's hard to not see I don't like Chris Pratt but it's hard to not see his character uh, in this game and like being annoyed those people i'm still gonna go i'm gonna play more of it because it looks kind of pretty i'm i'm well it looks really pretty and very triply and i'm a sucker for space travel so
1: it's uh it is like the epitome of verse chorus verse chorus in it's the way it duels out everything like it's just shooty section puzzle section story section puzzle section, shooty section, puzzle section, you know like it just kind yes. of bounces around. Um I do I did want to say the one there is one cool spoilery thing that happens in it and I think this is just showing, you know, people are so starved for narrative games that this stuff really stands out when a AAA game does it. But there there is a lot of um just they are willing to break that verse chorus verse chorus for the narrative at very specific intervals, so there are a couple of scenes that feel Feel like they have like it's like a solo inside the verse chorus verse chorus, uh, but they have one section I really liked where you you get t- trans you're, they're having like your um, uh, Batman Scarecrow scene where all of a sudden you're you're in a different version of reality and it lets you make dialogue choices and I kept making bad ones because I was like I don't care I'm just going to make bad ones and then it uh, it game over rolled credits on me and I mm. <laughs> and I was like oh that's that's cool <laughs> Then that's it funny. accounted for me being a stupid idiot and uh, said, all right, well, your story ends now if you're not going to save the galaxy. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. That's, I, I, I could go on for a long time. Uh, and when you play it, I'm sure we will text back and forth about it. But um, I do think that Inscription is one of the best games of the year and we should okay. uh, bring it along with us.
0: Uh, so Inscription, we bring it down. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take Halo Infinite?
1: Uh, no, I don't think we need to, unless you would like to.
0: No, no. I really liked what I played at the beginning of Halo Infinite. Uh, I felt it was like kind of a breath of fresh air to have a different shooter in the same way, like a Doom 2016 could feel in that. Like it, like I feel like Far Cry and the Call of Duty and a lot of shooter. You know, they kind of feel similar, not exactly the same, but have a very similar feeling. Whereas Halo, like, is a is a much more methodical shooter than those. You have more health, the enemies have more health, there's more weapon switching if the enemy has a shield or stuff like that. And like using grenade, using melee, like it's more of a slow s- slow pace combat puzzle compared to uh fast-paced modern warfare. So it was really refreshing to play uh the single player and have that. That said they added an open world which doesn't add anything to the game for me.
1: No, it would be better if it were not an open
0: world. Yeah, I actually don't like the open world and it feels like an old, archaic open world. Like I feel like they wanted to have this bigger, more interesting open world, but the game was in ball, and they needed to like put back some structure in it and they ended up with this very boring, regular Far Cry 3 stu- structure. And like if Far Cry 6 is old, the structure of Halo 3 is kind of meh. Uh, uh, Halo Infinite. Uh, that being said, like, the combat feels great, so it's still a fun game to go to, and I think because there's so much of a back-to-basic, it created this multiplayer that is really fun.
1: Yeah, I, I had a great—every time I played the multiplayer, I've had a great time. I have yet to have a—you know, I've yet to turn it on and be pissed off or angry. Like, I've just—I have—I uh, played it a bunch by myself, you and I played a couple rounds together, I I like it a lot. I like the um that power cell mode quite a bit. I feel like it's a really good tug yeah. of war gameplay system yeah. that they've come up with. Uh and I actually think those multiplayer maps are really well designed. Like the the choke points in them are good and on those big team battle maps, they do lead to a sort of a stay away from the middle if you want to live feeling, which is as neat it's telling of them being actually well well put together and well tested.
0: Yeah, and I see myself playing more of that multiplayer. Uh, in the year coming so like I I think especially for the multiplayer and the solo is still fun like it's just not remarkable to me but like especially for the multiplayer I think it's it always kind of uh, in a good place right now which is not something I would have said like a few years ago I
1: I think even in the single player um, outside of the open world I do think that touching on your doom point I think it's well enough designed that it reminds me of doom 2016 in that sometimes I will I will just do a blind faith jump and there's always level there like it always kind of it's right. it is well enough made that they've kind of accounted for me being put in a position where i will have to make an escape and and it works so.
0: yeah and uh well they that the oak shop basically the oak thingy yeah uh that is good and i feel they have probably the coolest explosive barrels in video game yeah they, uh, they're, right they're so
1: fun to pull them at you and mm, yeah just try them and people
0: it. yeah um, Can I? I have that. to tell
1: you my my coolest hookshot moment. This happened uh, last time I played the multiplayer. I was being chased by a guy and I ran out of ammo and was reloading and I was I was definitely going to die. And I I and again this is multiplayer, but I did a blind faith jump behind me and there wasn't map. I just started falling to my death, but I finished my reload, and then I happened to have a hookshot and I hookshot him back up. And he thought I was about to die but I showed up. <laughs> And kill them. <laughs> it was very, very exciting.
0: That's cool. Yeah, uh,
1: that was yeah, like, a, cool. oh, that'll never happen to me again. That was a once in a lifetime. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the systems aligning. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's really good. I, I don't think. Yeah, I just don't think it's a tough ten. The story still. At some point, I gave up. I started skipping cutscenes. Okay. <laughs> which I know you hate, but I, I yeah, was I like, I don't do know that. what I don't know what's happening. Like, I couldn't <laughs> even when I was. I watched like I watched the first half or sixty percent of the game, and then there was a really dramatic beat. And I still didn't know what was happening, and everyone was sad, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, I don't care anymore.
0: (laughs) I played Six Hour, and I have no idea what's happening right now, so. Yeah. um, 3 I'm going to keep. All right, I I knew you would.
1: Okay, did you play Hitchhiker?
0: I did play Hitchhiker, but it bugged on me, Hmm. and I was stuck in loop, so I never restarted. Uh, I liked the reveal of the dude having a photo of you in the car, or something.
1: The the first vignette of Hitchhiker is okay. really strong uh, about okay. that, that first that first little story beat where you just kind of wake up in you wake up in a car and you're hitchhiking and then you're getting all these little clues that something is wrong like him having a picture of you and you find a matchbook and it says like help on it or something so it it feels like you're in some type of um like Memento time loop or something like you're leaving yeah. hints or whatever it doesn't I finished it it doesn't go anywhere that's that's has nothing to do with anything really oh that's disappointing uh so it's just there's like another four or five vignettes after and they get more and more surreal as you go to the point where they're almost like fantastical and um ends up feeling a lot more like poetic than having any type of grounded narrative so it just kind of completely goes down to the surreal the surreal road but it's not um the writing is not good enough to sort of yeah, after that. and
0: that's thing because we need some poppy trailer that don't use, like, surrealism as a way out. Yeah. Like, yeah. to have a good twist, it's hard to, like, have a good twisty story, but too many video games use, like, fantastical elements as a way out to, like, explain the twist they set up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't really work as a vibes game, doesn't really work as a plot game, just uh, that, but that first, that first vignette really is awesome. Yes. <laughs> Anyway. that's disappointing. After that, we have It Takes Two, which uh, I assume you and I both do not think this is one of the best games of the year.
0: No, uh, my note is love sucks for normal people. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, That is the theme of It Takes Two. Yeah, I mean, It Takes Two uh, won Game of the Year at the the Game Awards and is a co-op platform puzzle game that... um, that it's really well made it's super well polished um probably i mean definitely a lot longer than i thought i i uh i like the way it plays i just i don't know We, we never went back to it and just didn't nothing really hooked me about it
0: yeah and like the graphics are good and it has this very uh nintendo design where they're gonna introduce new mechanics from time to time and then like they're going to start easy with them, and then like later they're going to throw them away when they, they did everything they had to do with the mechanics. I feel like the problem I have with this game is the whole relationship angle. Well, I've been told that supposedly they get together at the end, and it's like, it felt this, I don't know, it's this very toxic mentality about relationship that like you need to fix your couple for the kids, even though you ate each other guts and... Like all the, there's a a third character that's like kind of a, this self help book about relationship and shit and he's it, just fucking annoying and like the bickering of the relationship isn't fun to go through but like it reminds me a lot you know your friend that is in our relationships since a relationship for a long time and he does those sad wedding joke that's like oh since i'm married with my wife like i'm unhappy anymore since i have kids i happiness is not yeah i hate I my anymore.
1: kids and i hate don't never get yeah. married the old ball and chain like yeah that yeah that and it's
0: like well why did you have kid then like you know life is not just that and it felt a lot like that to me playing this game so yeah i
1: mean yeah we didn't play enough to say if the story goes anywhere but it's hard to imagine because everything that the best parts of the story so far have been the parts where it's completely horrible and yes. uh, like a, that that scene where the dad is he's a husk of a man because he's be, he's been turned into a toy or whatever <laughs> and the dad is staring out of the window with no expression like dead eyes and the little girl shows up behind him and says, daddy will you are you free to talk i just need a dad or something and the dad doesn't reply <laughs> and the kids are like Okay, I guess you're busy then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, we really like that. Uh, Yeah, the design is surprisingly good, is what I'm going to say about it. It takes
1: two. I I mean, you know, it's hard to comment on having not finished it, but just nothing about it inspired confidence that it would be... It feels like the edge, the game's edge, is the fact that it's co-op, not that it's doing anything really novel or, you know, inventive. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played Jackbox 8.
0: You haven't played Jackbox 8 at all? Uh, Do you know the game in it? I don't know them at all, no. Okay, Uh, it's a pretty good box. It doesn't have my favorite thing. Like, my favorite recent Jackbox game is probably the TED Talk one, where you send, like, dumb photos to people. The one from from last year's, the one where you're introduced? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a great one, Uh, though it has some good stuff. So there's a new Drawful game, but it's animated, so you do like a small two-frame animation instead of doing so. like the prompts are going to be more like, I don't know, somebody falling from their skate or something like that. So you can do like a little animation. So it's cute. Uh, There's a trivia game that plays with like a kind of Wheel of Fortune mechanic. That is interesting. I I felt they wanted to have a Wheel of Fortune mechanic, but the problem is that the trivia... The, 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 the mechanics of the game don't gel well with the trivia, and it's like playing with your family. People are going to ask questions about the rules and whatever. It's not going to be that interesting. Um, this one's kind of the worst one, I thought. There's a, another game that's like, uh, they're going to ask you to order stuff in, uh, like, basically, what's the biggest red flag in a relationship that you can't find, and they're going to give you Ten prompt which are like uh the person has a tooth collection or the person has a like a boat called paul Giamatti, or something like that and like very dumb stuff and they're gonna ask you to order and then it's gonna create teams and you need to order them in the right order as teams and the team uh the team of this one which is like your people stuck in a dungeon with like a uh, torch falling like torch uh, peering out and trying to get out. The dungeon is really good and it's really fun. And I think it's a good one for people that are not good at creating jokes and or don't like improvising because like you don't you basically don't need to create anything. Like the dynamic comes from the fact that you're in teams and you're gonna be with your teammate and argue. Oh, I'd rather date someone who has a Furby as their best friend than someone who has a teeth collection and stuff like that. It sounds so, really but, good. you sounds like yeah, really that, good games. That's really good. Uh, there's one that is very complicated that's also a drawing game. I'd be excited to try it with people that understand game better, but it didn't work at all with my family. Uh, it's basically a wood-on-it game, it's a drawing game, but you need to hide a hidden message in the drawings, uh, basically. I, I, I would have a hard time explaining how it works, but they basically give you a number and you need to draw around this number, basically. And peep, like your teammate, or some people need to spot the number in your drawings, but you're trying to hide it for some people to see it, but other to not be able to see it. So that's very interesting, mm-hmm. but maybe a little too complicated for some people. And there's uh, Good Job, which is a job interview game that is was really a success with my friends and families. Uh, it's basically quiplash, but you use Basically, you're gonna get ask a question, and then it's gonna send your answer to another person, and the other person can use the word you said to create new sentence, to new question. Basically, so it's kind of quiplash, but you always have a prompt from someone else to create your answer. So like, it's gonna be question. So uh, I don't know. Like, there's a problem. One of your co-worker bothers you what do you do but the other person was asked a question that was like how do you keep informed and they how do you keep healthy and the answer i just drink water but then you're gonna have the answer i just drink water and you need to use those words to answer your question so like you're gonna say something like drink 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 or whatever uh so it's good for like it's it's very similar to quiplash but the thing that it's good for is that it's gonna when you're not inspired to come up with your answer in Quiplash, then you're going to have a few words, and it's easy to just, like, play with your word around and make a funny or absurd answer with those. So it's very... I really like that. You've uh, Oh, is there, there's another one? No, no, no. Oh, it, okay, it, I was going it, to say, you've sold playbook. me on all these. Yeah, I think it's a really good Jackbox pack. I think the Wheel of Stuff's trivia, uh, the, the Wheel thingy trivia is probably the worst game, but even then, like, it's just... It's trivia, it's still fun to play from time to time but all four other games were winner for me so yeah no i'll I'll,
1: uh yeah i will definitely pick that up even the trivia like we my family loves the murder party one from jackbox yeah but i think
0: i I would think murder party is better so okay but like it might change i don't know it might be a good change
1: okay wow we it is funny when we've been going for almost two hours and you're like all right we're at we're at the (laughs) jays yes Next up, we have Jet the Far Shore, which I think is one of the best games of the year. Yes,
0: it is. Okay, thank you.
1: And then we have Kenna Bridge of Spirits. And I'll be honest, I don't have very much to say about it. Just, I, I did, you didn't play this, right? No. No, okay. So Kenna Bridge of Spirits is a game that um, builds itself in the model of, you know, a Pixar or a DreamWorks movie. Uh, it is stunning. Like, it is a near... I mean, not maybe not as good as the modern modern Disney stuff, but you know, if even if you go at like a you know a ten year old Disney animated movie like a Tangled is pretty spellbinding visually, and and this sort of hits that uh, that note. the The gameplay itself is is a lot of you know I talked about verse chorus verse chorus with Guardians of the Galaxy, and this is that as well. It's combat scenario puzzle, walk to the next area, combat scenario puzzle, walk to the next area. It's um, the story is wholly entirely uninteresting which is why this game is sort of a dud and it's just because they're you know as spellbinding as it is the gameplay is serviceable uh there's just nothing kind of propelling you other than to see the next scene and the reality is that I'm pretty sure it's a pretty small team and even if they've managed to make something that looks amazing there's not a lot of variety in the level design from you know I played the first half of the game and didn't see much that was compelling me to say like oh I have to see the next vista or I have to arrive at the next area. Yeah, and and it's a little bit uh, harder than you would even kind of expect, given its, you know, its its aesthetic. So there there was a there was a moment that I thought to myself, oh, this kind of reminds me of Knack, uh, which is not, <laughs> <laughs> not very high praise. Uh, I still, there, there, this was a weird one that I put down because I wasn't really enjoying it, but I still find myself wanting to go back to a little bit. Like there was enough there to kind of make me want want to poke around it a little bit more it's just it's quite long and i hadn't seen anything in a number of hours that made me made me feel like it was a must play so right uh it does have the ps4 or ps5 haptic trigger things so that's oh. cool no, and it does the, the breath of the wild. <laughs> it does the breath of the wild like if you jump in the air and pull out your bow time slows so then when time slows and you've got the haptic triggers it's uh it's a cool feeling cool Uh, and then next up we have the Kid A Amnesiac Exhibit, uh, which is definitely one of the best games of the year. Uh, and then after that we have Knockout City, which
0: you didn't play, right? I played like an hour.
1: Okay. Uh, I think it's really good. Uh, I think it's, um unfairly sort of passed over uh, i i absolutely think it matches something like a splatoon in terms of just being um it is a gameplay first multiplayer um dodgeball game uh yeah. so it's it's three versus three and i think what i really love about it and this is exactly like a splatoon is that the levels are very intimate they're very small levels uh, and then despite having all kinds of um I mean, I don't like the visuals in this game very much, but despite having like a lot of production value, the maps are very legible, so you can actually pay attention to positioning and sort of be aware, have like general awareness of the people around you and what they are able to do at a moment's notice. Uh, so I, I actually, I just think in, in terms of its core game design, it works pretty well and is is really fun. So you can you know you can throw balls, you can spin balls, you can lob balls, uh, you can and you can catch stuff. So it leads to a lot of moments where you're there's sort of a lot of tension where everybody's waiting to throw the balls and then all of a sudden everybody starts throwing things all at once and there's this frenetic energy for a moment and then everything pauses again while everybody's kind of collecting balls um, to lob at each other and it's... Um, I, I like it. I liked it a fair, fair bit.
0: I, I liked it a lot too. Like, it, it was... A, it's also very easy to get into so, like, it was very easy to start and play and, like, play a few matches and, like, it's not as heavy as, like, other multiplayer game. It just... Like it was more that there's other game to play and I'm not a big multiplayer person that like. The
1: the yeah. biggest issue with it for me was that the, I do think the aesthetic is just not very strong. And so I didn't, uh, I, I had a hard time selling it to people to maybe play with.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, after that, we have Lake, which, uh, which is a game set in 1986. And um, you are a high strung computer business, business, uh, not executive, but like corporate type who's decided that they need to, they need to get away from it all and uh, go back to their hometown and become a mail delivery person. And uh, so it starts off with you sort of, you know, being chastised by your boss and you sort of get a sense for the toxic energy of the workplace that you're coming out of where, you know everybody's at a party and you're not there because you're still working and then they're like you're going to be here on monday right and then you say no i have planned vacation and you know you can tell her sort of seeding this like reminder over and over again i'm not going to be there and then well you're you know even when you get on your vacation and you arrive in your hometown there's um you know she gets peppered with messages from her workplace saying like hey you know can you work on this can you take care of that and there's so i mean obviously i relate to this i relate to this you know, very quickly and very immediately. I think my issue with Lake is uh, not even it has production issues, but really, I just think that it sort of glamorizes and idealizes this scenic remote life in a way that I think is um, actually just very unfair and uh, not true. Because the the reality, you know, like she'll she'll be dropping off delivery packages to this fairly huge um, like movie rental store and you want to say yeah maybe i just want a life working at a movie rental store in a small town but you would that's not a real job that you can have no. anymore like that, that life doesn't exist so i sort of feel like it um it actually just made me really sad and not yeah. for the reasons it was trying to make me sad it, it was like sort of, i don't know
0: i don't know i feel well i haven't played it but like the realities of people living in small town generally in factories or stuff like that like are not it's not cute life, and it's not like obviously office and toxic office environment are not good for your health. But like the reality of going to a town where everybody's work in a factory or the mine and everybody lost their air ring because like of the noise there is no fucking better than the city life. Like it's not. And then yeah. there's the fact that most people will be racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so I mean, there's no the game has no. I mean, I didn't finish it, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is something in there, but there, there didn't seem like there was anything in it that would suggest any villainy in right. this in this small town. And, you know, and the, the gameplay loop is not something that I... I really like package delivery games, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just kind of driving around town, dropping off packages would be fine. I just didn't... It didn't have the writing, writing quality or world building of something like Eastshade, and then the actual thematic elements... Of this narrative, I also didn't find particularly compelling, and uh, I, I found them sometimes problematic. So, anyway, that's Lake. Uh, what do we have? Oh gosh, it's all me. I thought I thought yeah. there was yeah. We, we had a string of all your games, and now it's a string of all my games. Uh, so, last stop by Variable State. Uh, these are the makers of Virginia. Um, no. So this is a Telltale adventure game. M- my very favorite thing about this game is actually just the structure of it, which I think I texted you when um, when I had just played it. It is a six episode series uh, and each episode is comprised of three 20-minute stories so the whole thing it feels very bite-sized and it just kind of you, you just tear through it because it's all these little short um short stories so the whole thing with this game is that there are three characters there is a there's Mina who is this like tough as nails um she works at, like, a private military spy agency or something like that. There's Donna, who is this, like, rebellious teen, and she hangs out with her, um, you know, hoodlum friends. And there's John, who goes through a full Freaky Friday scenario where he cool. brain swaps with his uh, his neighbor, and his neighbor is this, um, like, game designer who's, like, constantly got his face in his phone, and John is this single father who's kind of sad and bumbling but very very nice and <laughs> and yeah. so they have this freaky friday and that's that's awesome
0: yeah we need the freaky friday telltale games
1: yeah the, the freaky friday plot line is definitely the best the best of the cool. bunch but the the strange thing about this game is that for as down to earth as all of those characters plots are it's a sci-fi game and it all culminates in this wild like wild moment where they all end up in an alternate dimension Star Wars world <laughs> where there or maybe in Star Wars might not even be apt I haven't seen or read Dune but like probably more like a Dune scenario and it turns out there is this like angelic devil figure who is capturing humans from earth and taking them to sell in this alternate reality. And then they accidentally kill him and they end up on trial and there's this whole to do, but that really is neither here nor there and almost entirely unrelated to the personal dramas that go on with those three initial characters. And some of them are better than others. Uh, the... Mina is like she's having an affair and she's cheating on her husband and she's really mean but there's someone at her work who is young and bubbly and like so she's having to sort of fight for her job and also she's stressed and she's got all these other things and they're all um anyway I, I enjoyed it a fair bit I don't uh it's probably a little bit long for what it is and it, it you know it it's very very gameplay light it is probably probably has less traditional gameplay than virginia did like this is really just a tv show where you walk from point a to point b but it has some of that visual flair that uh, virginia did like it does it does look
0: sorry unlike virginia that's like talking character and writing yeah okay yeah
1: i in virginia might even I, i didn't love virginia but virginia might be uh like a more interesting place for you to spend some time if you were doing one, just because it, it's shorter. This doesn't really earn its six hours, but I had a good time with it because I like Telltale-style adventure games.
0: Yes. Uh, well, talking about Telltale-style adventure game, our next one is Life is Strange True Colors uh, from Deck Nine, so not from Dalton, which are the the, the uh, creator of Life is Strange. Deck Nine did um, the prequel to the first Life is Strange yeah. game. Yeah, Before the Storm. Uh, and they're coming back for this new one where you play as a young woman getting out of juvie and meeting her brother uh, that she hasn't seen for a long while uh, because they were both her friends and kind of separated. In a small town, and small stuff happened, and drama happened, and her brother dies, and there might be. Uh, like it's unclear, like your brother dies because there was a detonation close to the mine and it's unclear if there was human error there or if, if there wasn't. And uh, that's basically the pitch of it. And uh, yeah, you're playing a Telltale game. Uh, I I quite like the main character of this game, which is what like kind of saves it as a whole. My biggest problem I had with Life is Strange True Colors is that the real story, which is the story of your brother dying and like the... what's happening in the town with the company and whatever, and if there's been a killing or not, is basically barely touched that and then solved in 30 minutes. So it feels like the game is gaining its time by giving you these side stories that don't make sense, that are just more about knowing the other character in the town. And they're nice because like all the character in the draw are kinda of well written but the main arc itself is just like it's crazy how quick it resolves as soon as it starts. Yeah. So
1: I I actually really like this game a fair bit. I I almost stopped you to say that it belongs on the short list and then you were just you just rolled into it. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So huh? so I wasn't gonna stop you because it didn't make my uh, my top ten, but um so I mean, everything you've said is true, and I do think that the story kind of wraps up out of nowhere. But I I liked it, and even the the speed at which the story resolves and the way that it all just kind of has like a neat bow on it right at the very end, uh, it sort of worked for me because I really do my whole vibe with this game was that it was it felt so much like a '80s teen drama where like we gotta someone's coming to take down, I texted this to you but like someone's coming to take down the rec center and we're all gonna band together and you through the power of friendship we're gonna convince this bad person that we got to kick this corporate guy right out of town and um, so even even I think the story is a little bit more sophisticated than that but um, at the end of the day I really loved the little trial at the end where for just by happenstance, the entire town is in the bar and they've gonna, they're have they going to talk through their feelings and yeah. they're going to sort
0: through this 20-year conundrum. <laughs> so, see, uh, I played this game in a weird... Like, I played it in three sitting, but when we started... Like, I played it with my partner, and when we started the last sitting of our playing, you we were at the beginning of the LARP. So, uh, there's a kid that's sad because, like, your brother died and the kid was close to your brother, and you do a LARP to make him happy or something and the LARP itself is like a an hour and a half side story where obviously you're still playing those characters that look like who they are but they have shitty costume and everything. But like it's a whole side story about like fantasy bullshit. And like this story of the LARP is more involved than the main story of the game. And it was like for the whole hour and a half I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, like, when The LARP ended, we finished the game, like, an hour after. Like, super quickly after. And it just made no sense because I I felt for a moment I saw this fantasy movie that had, like, a small town thing right at the end for no fucking reason. <laughs> so the, the structure of this game, the way it, maybe it's because of the way I played it, but the structure of this game made no fucking sense for me. And like it's not a new issue for Life is Strange. Like we talked, I really like Life is Strange. Season one and two, but like we, we talked about, it's basically episode one and episode five of those two seasons that like have stories and everything in between is just filler. And it's kind of the same issue. But like I feel because it's this whole game, like it was more, uh, it was harder to compare uh, to 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 separate the part from me. So yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: I I also but I I will say you know it all the adventure game structure uh like the the walking around town and you know going to the same shops and even when you layer that larp thing on top so you're sort of reusing the assets and having more a different kind of experience with the exact same area like i do think it's all pretty well constructed like it felt um i do in some ways it just felt more coherent than the better life is strange games like it just felt like there was a lot more intention behind a lot of the choices being made
0: the sense of place and level design is much better in this one because as you said you're gonna go to a small town a few times like when you get there you go visit the places but when you do the larp it's the same places but as you said they changed and there's like stuff around and uh Yeah, this creates a sense of place that is much better than the other Life is Strange game.
1: I also, I I understand why they couldn't get away from having superpowers. But this game basically doesn't have superpowers, which is also very cool.
0: That girl has empathy, unlike all the other people in this town, which makes her different.
1: (laughs) Yeah, her superpower is the ability to be human.
0: Yeah, if you're mad, like... You're gonna be red for some reason, but like the people in this game are not like slightly mad. They're mad to the point of like punching walls, so like (laughs) you don't need a red glow around the person to realize they're mad. Uh, Yeah.
1: I do think it's one of the best games of the year, but... uh...
0: (laughs) I disagree, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's gonna be a theme. (laughs) 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 through our chats Uh, so next up we have uh, Little Nightmares 2 there's nothing wrong with Little Nightmares 2 like the first game it is a 2.5D puzzle platformer in a spooky setting it's good, it's well made remember the reason we do this is because we really like video games this game did make me really angry. I, I had a moment, I had like an existential moment with this game where I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's just because it's, you know, five or six hours long. All the puzzles are immediately solved. There's a lot of trial and error. It had you know, it has the type of trial and error that, you know, we come to expect from this style, like, you know, like a limbo or something like yeah. that. And I just had a moment with it where I kind of threw up the controller and said, I would have just liked an art book to look at, please like, stop making me play this game. Uh, and I don't really think that's the game's fault. Like clearly something else was going on with me, but um, I, I just sort of, I thought all the elements that I liked about the game were visual design. Uh, and a lot of it is really good. Like there's a lot of really good visual design in it. There's specifically, maybe you've probably seen it on Twitter from when it came out, but like the teacher, uh, no, not at all. Okay. No. The, the second vignette of the game is, uh, it's a school setting. And so there's, you know, there's a couple scenes that are very trial and error where you are fighting some kids and anyway, whatever. The the teacher is um, this long-necked, like Brontosaurus-looking, very creepy teacher who who chases you and then her he- her neck keeps elongating and she keeps following you. And so eventually you end up with these scenes where you're stealthing behind pillars and she's wrapping her head around the pillars and following you in kind of this snake-like way. Uh, and then all of the really good boss designs in this game. Um, they're missing a few frames, so they have this really stuttery animation, that, which is exactly what you know Silent Hill traffic's in, is this, you yeah. know, what your expectation is and then the way it moves being a little bit different. Uh, and it's all very effective. It, it works, again, all the visual design in this game is so good. I just, the gameplay is, right. you know, nothing, which is, I actually think, how you felt about the first game, and I was yes, like, no, it's, it's great.
0: <laughs> and I feel I'm going to feel even more this way about the second. Uh, I feel also... I mean, you were talking about it in team of the year, maybe, but like I feel I have no patience anymore. Anyway, um, the next game we have uh, on our list is Loop Hero. So Loop Hero was this very big success at the beginning of the year, where it's kind of a as like a top-down perspective, where there's going to be a little bottom on a loop going around, and you're gonna have a deck of cards and you're gonna draw a card, like. Uh, at interval and just putting those cards will create swamps or forest or like a new environment for the little Banaman loop to go through and certain environment are gonna create monster and what you need to do is basically create a quest for your hero that is hard enough that he's gonna level up and get strong enough to kill the last boss but not too hard that he's gonna die or she's gonna die. It's a cool concept but after a while, it becomes like some people said it's an idle game, and there's people again like saying, No, it's not. But like, really, at the end of the day, it's very similar to an idle game because you're just seeing a game happening in front of you. And as soon as you get the solution, there's only one solution to most of the problem in this game, and there's a optimized way to play so as soon as i got the optimized way to play i was just waiting for the game to happen and give me the good card to play and just put them and discard everything else in my deck Uh, so it became just like seeing the game happen in front of me and just grinding it out so it's it's kind of where it lost me because there's no there's a specific solution to this game so there's no you you don't experiment as much as you would think with the environment man and the card that you're gonna play on the ground it's really you want to try to get that optimized run for your little character and when you got it you just wait till the level ups like enough to fight the last boss and then do that so it's a cool concept that needed more to not just be something new an idle game basically
1: I think uh, I I played a very little bit of it and was like, this game is not really for me. Um, I think when it inevitably comes to consoles and I can play it on the elliptical with a podcast, I might find some renewed life in this game. But yeah, I I found it a little bit tedious.
0: Yeah, well, it's also like the music, I think the art is pixel art and it's gonna, well, it depends on on how much you like pixel art, but the music's really good. But also like three hours in, I basically just just played it with podcasts or even videos. So, like, yeah.
1: Uh, Next up, we have Lost Judgment, which uh, belongs on our shortlist. It sure does. Okay.
0: It's
1: a good game. Good studio. They make good games. (laughs) And then we have uh, Maquette. Did you play Maquette?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Okay. Uh, I did not play very much Maquette. It has... This is the definition of twee indie game. It has a lot of um, folk music... Playing well, flowers bloom as you walk around. Um, it is. I, I I didn't like it very much. I think the performances are good, the narrative, the voice acting, you know, all the production stuff is quite good. Uh, I just thought the puzzles were uh, aggravating. Uh, it has the same problem that I had with Manifold Garden. It has the same yes. problem as Manifold Garden, where some of the puzzles are just they're really clever, and you look at them and you're like, oh, that's a good puzzle solution, but I. Don't understand how I was supposed to get there because the world has too many elements in it um, so you'll sort of you kind of have to brute force your way to solutions and then when you get it you feel genius but they're not um, they're just not elegant and so sometimes you just feel like you're starting from scratch every single time but it, the the actual premise of it is all really interesting so it is there is uh, a world that you are in and then there's a maquette that is a little bit smaller in the middle and then there is a even smaller diorama inside of the maquette so there's like this sort of um, folded or sorry, this like three tiered uh, area that is all identical. and so sometimes you'll be able to pick up items in one and drop them in another and they will appear as different sizes in each of the three settings. Right. So sometimes you'll be trying to take something and you'll like, slide it through a window in one of the small maquettes so that you can go and pick it up in the bigger maquette and vice versa. and there's a romance happening you know all throughout. Uh, yeah, I just I didn't enjoy it enough to stick with it, but uh, worth mentioning.
0: okay. Uh, the next game we have is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, we're not going to use it as one of the best games. I just wanted to name drop it because I really like Mass Effect games. Like they're very, I don't know, they're very tropey sci-fi, but they're still fun to go through because you, it's like your own bad Star Wars fanfiction but like you can say oh yeah i'm gonna sleep with that alien and i'm gonna do this thing and i can beat this asshole it's obviously like much more evident how bad well it it always was evident but how bad the morality system is in those games but still like i really had fun going through them again Uh, i really like those games and like i said i was a sucker for space exploration but like the mass Effect series has one of the best Ship feeling, like shipmates feeling, like going to see your crew and talking with them and like learning new shit about them is always a fun experience. Did you play through them? Yes. This year you played through yes. all three. Yes, it took me a while.
1: Oh my god! I did. How did I not even know that you played through all three?
0: I don't know. I wasn't talking about them because you know I, you know I like those and um, Mass Effect Three much better than that I remembered.
1: I it's funny, I I remember loving Mass Effect three and being perplexed as the whole world chat on Mass Effect Three. Yeah, well, the ending's dumb, but it's not like Yeah, but you get blue... to say goodbye to Morden, like that Morden mm-hmm. scene is so
0: good. Yes. And you know, it's not like blue space alien that exists just for sex or is a smart thing. No, either. <laughs> like Mass Effect is tropey and cheesy and pulp, but like you need to enjoy it as much and it's fun that way. Yeah. So Anyway, I really liked it. I really like Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh
1: that's it. Cool. Uh, so Metroid Dread, I do think it's one of the best games of the year.
0: Yeah, probably. So the next game we have is Monster Hunter Rise, which you haven't played? Nope. So it's the game I took notes for. I think Monster Hunter Rise might be one of the best games of the year, but like I didn't get that much into it. It's very similar to Monster Hunter World mechanically so they added two things you have like well it's the theme of this year you have kind of a grappling hook thing that they added in the dlc i think for monster hunter world and now you get it from the get-go so like there's another mobility element that's very nice and they also added uh dogs so now you have a dog and they're very big dog like they're big husky likes dogs and uh the dogs have a drift button, so there's really? dog drifting in this game. <laughs> and I really needed to remember that there's dog drifting in this game. Because uh, it's super cool to run on your dog and then drift on the side. them, like it does the it does the anime drift with the the Akira drift with the... the, the, the uh, I, I, with the, 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 everywhere, or the yes. dust everywhere?
1: Uh, yes. I was going to ask, what's the sound effect when you drift with your dog? Uh, it's
0: been so long, I don't remember... It would be very uh, funny if it was just wheels, like yes. screeching Need for Speed wheel. <laughs> Uh It's fucking cool. I like Monster Hunter. Uh, I, the only other thing I would note, like, different than Monster Hunter World, is that this, this one has a much more Japanese vibe. Like, the art style is very... Monster Hunter World is already very much a Japanese game, but this one has very much like traditional Japanese costume and all that kind of stuff, so it's kind of nice, I feel, because they got their success, it feels like it can get back some of the identity loss uh, by trying to be a full-on AAA game in the last one. That said, like, it's very similar to the last one, so I didn't play as much, and, yeah, not something I'm going to keep myself, but I think it's a really good game if you, like, grinding stuff with your friend and Monster Hunter.
1: Makes sense. Then we have Mundan, which is is another one of the best games of the year. Okay.
0: After that, we have New World, uh, which, um, you know, it's the big uh, AAA Amazon MMO uh, that released that, um, I don't know, I haven't played that many MMO, but like it's very similar to other MMO, I guess, though it's been so long. That we had one of those except maybe final fantasy 14 now exists but like a real true mmo with the server and all this shit it's very grindy and there's a lot of crafting and there's so many progression bars so obviously there's going to be your level but there's going to be a progression bar for every crafting tool and a progression bar for every weapon that you're going to lo- develop like separately and uh Progression bar for every type of crafting there is that you're gonna level up differently, and then there, there's a progression and having better crafting tool, but also being better at this type of crafting and whatever, whatever. It's all just a big grind. That being said, like it's a pretty world, and it's probably the best-looking MMO on the market right now because, like, it's the most recent one, and it has a lot of money in it. And all the progress bar sounds really great, and there's a lot of clicking and like popping numbers and stuff that are fun to go through. So that is good. That said, like it's a very grindy game. The, my favorite thing about New World is basically just existing in this world, and you can't put on um, PvP to be like any character from any other faction can attack you wherever you are, except in the city. So, like, the whole world can be a PvP map. And you get more XP when you do that. And I did it for my character, but, like, I don't grind that much. And obviously, I'm one of the worst characters on my server because <laughs> I'm low-level. But it created this weird mechanic of when you see somebody else... Like coming at you on the street, you're like, oh, maybe they're going to be mean. So I would just hide in the trees and whatever. So it felt like I was kind of existing really in this world instead of just going to grind because I had to avoid other players or like other players that weren't of my, my team and stuff like that. So I kind of had, a, I, I, I enjoyed it as something to like exist in a beautiful world, but what you do in it is very uninteresting
1: i mean it, all the things i've heard about new world every time you describe a scenario like that like hiding from players or i've heard a couple of people at my office talking about the economy and like andrew talked about the economy a lot yeah and i so got very excited about that stuff but
0: the the problem with the economy is that i'm level 20 of the level cap that is 60 and i'm not engaging with that at all like yeah yeah
1: it, it just it does sound like a more it sounds like one of the more interesting games that came out this year even if it's an MMO and it's couched in all this boring grind.
0: Yeah, it's very, very grindy.
1: Yeah. Anyway, after that, we have Night Delivery by Chilla's Art. Uh, so I, I feel like I will play a Chilla's Art game every year now. Uh, it is. I, I like the general vibe of all these games. They're these PS1 horror aesthetic games, and um, all of the. I don't know if you remember it from last year talking about convenience store but um the character models in the games are always these polygonal people who have real world faces plastered on the model so they have it creates this really horrific effect where they just they just look wrong and it it's um it's very cool uh, so this game has you delivering packages, and you just kind of show up in front of this apartment complex, and there is a truck full of parcels, and you go look at the parcels, and they have numbers on the doors, and then you have to go to the the various doors, and each, each person at each door has this very creepy expression and creepy dialogue to say to you, you know, some of them, like there's a... Uh, there's one character who is clearly like a religious fanatic, and he is he he wants you to like give all his money to the priest who's down, who's clearly the superintendent down on the first floor. And uh, there's a mother and child, and you constantly feel like this game is going to jump scare you for two hours, and then there's nothing, nothing, nothing until the very end of the game, where it just is becomes jump scare city. This game, I was very unsure of because I thought that what was happening was they were suggesting that um, everyone in the apartment complex was picking on this one um, handicapped person, and that then the handicapped person went and killed everyone in the apartment complex. I think—and anyway, I I was ready to write the whole game off because I was very angry at it, but I think what's actually happening is that they ultimately kill him. Uh, But it's unclear to the point where I was made uncomfortable by the story— not for the right reasons, not because it was spooky horror, but because I was like, "What are you trying to say?" But uh, anyway, you read a, you read a lot of dialogue where there's there's clearly this character who something happens with who keeps writing to his mom about how he's being completely ostracized from the other tenants in the building and bullied and picked on. Anyway. I, I don't have more to, to add to it. These are total mood games. For as much as I'm here talking about the story, like this is this is a 100% vibes game. I didn't like it quite as much as Convenience Store just because I really liked the ominous glow of the Convenience Store. But um, there's a lot more walking around in this game. Like it's a bigger space, which leaves a lot more room for you to be on edge that something is going to happen when you are all on your own at, you know, the crack of dawn walking around this yeah. apartment complex. And
0: nothing happens for a long while.
1: Uh, then, after that, we have... Oh, well, this is this is you. This is Nintendo Garage.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't play that much of Nintendo Garage. I was very excited in the idea of having... Like, it's kind of Nintendo's take-on dream. So it's like a, ver- a very simple uh, visual coding language with a bunch of tutorial to teach you about the basics of coding. Uh, the problem I have with it is that, like, it's very handle the Nintendo way. So, like, it's very... Slow, and now they explain you stuff, and they're gonna explain you stuff like over and over and over and over, and then you're gonna be like, Yeah, I get it, just get it over with to the point where it just becomes tiring. And then when you finally get all the tools, it's not as open as you wish it would be. So, like, it doesn't strike a good balance between being simple but also being powerful to create games. Uh, all the game kind of look the same and are very similar, like uh, platformy type stuff and whatever. Yeah, it's just way too much tutorializing and all this shit. Uh, I was very disappointed with it. That's too bad.
1: That's too bad. I guess I should have known when you didn't talk about it very much that it,
0: <laughs> that it yeah. was kind of
1: disappointing. Yep. Okay, so our next game here. It's probably one of the best games of the year. We're not gonna, gonna put it on the list. I kinda wanna put it on the list just no, for the. I kinda element. wanna
0: put it on the list because you talked about this game the whole year.
1: Okay, good. I, I have it in my notes as part of the bigger list, but I thought, oh maybe I won't. I Okay. Anyway, I will just say the name Nuts. Nuts is really good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <a> stupid game. <laughs> um okay, while we're being silly. I, I think I want to see Echoes of the Eye on the list. Even okay. if we agree it can't be... Yeah, well, the that's of- it. The, the,
0: the problem is... Um, uh, I'm going to just put it there. So the problem I have with Echoes of the Eye is that I haven't played it, while knowing it's probably the best game of the year. or It,
1: it, it is the best game of the year.
0: Yes. Like,
1: that's it, it. Like, bar, like, it does, it it blows it blows all the other games on my list out of the water. <laughs> yeah. It is the best game of the year.
0: But, like, I haven't played it because it would be kind of, I don't know, lame to say again, best game of 2021. It's I don't know else again.
1: It, it also, yeah, and it doesn't, it does refer to that base game enough, like there's there's it exists in the world of that game in a way yes. that makes it kind of ineligible anyway but
0: right. anyway uh outriders outriders the most generic loot shooter that exists in the world <laughs> i i feel like the only reason it kind of caught on is because it like i feel it was a month before it released it was just announced as a game pass game or something like that and then like everybody had a, reason to try it for free and there were no big AAA game happening at, at the same time it's fine but like as soon as something else came out i just tried to play it the only thing that's like struck me as uh, a little different or weird about the game is that it's a cover shooter it's supposed to be a cover shooter but some of the class are not made to be in cover Uh, like some of the class will regain health by doing melee attacks or stuff like that. So you're not meant to be in cover. You're just supposed to be this very, be moving all the time and getting in the face of the enemies and shooting them with your shotgun. So just create this weird uh, mechanic where your first reflex is to go in cover and then you go, no, 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 I need to actually go up and go in the face of those people. Otherwise, like it's just very generic, a very simple story that is not interesting. And, um, yeah.
1: You you talked about Outriders, and there was a part of my brain that just kind of tuned off and started thinking about how good Nuts is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I never played it. I installed it, and then it was just like, I, I, I even had, I think you told me, I think Andrew also said to me, you will hate this game. Don't play this game. So I, yeah. You know.
0: Yep. I think the next game we have is one of the best games of the year?
1: Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, overboard. Moving overboard down to the shortlist.
0: So we moved overboard, uh, the next game we have is Pathfinder, Wrath of the Writers, which I'm not going to move down. I played something like 20 hours of this game. It's this uh, very massive RPG that is inspired by the Pathfinder system. Uh, the Pathfinder system is basically the old 3.5 Dungeon and Dragon system when People doing uh, World well, Dungeon and Dragon was simplified to be more accessible to people, and like Pathfinder is basically, oh no, I don't want to have the simplified Dungeon and Dragon. I want to have the Dungeon and Dragon where I'm gonna count my weight, my ammos, I have like on of spells, and some spells will need like crafting shit and whatever. It's a super complicated game, and then Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous, try to adapt all of this to a video game, and it's cool because it's, it's hundred hours RPG with just a ton of mechanics, but it's also very intimidating when they ask you to create a character, and there's like 10 races, 26 places and each class have something like 50 different special abilities that you can choose from and they basically give you a big list and there's search function in the list for your abilities because there's so many abilities that you need to be able to search them and there's a big encyclopedia book on the side that you can go through to read the rules and whatever. Uh, it's for specific kind of people and I'm sometimes that specific kind of person that really like my big crazy RPG. It's really intimidating though. I, I like it. It's a little too generic fantasy for me to say, to go to bad for it to be. Yeah, it's one of the best thing, And the story is one of the best thing. Like, it's very much, uh, there's a big evil that came out from anywhere and killed a god, and then you need to love a lot till you get big enough to kill the big evil and whatever. So it's very generic. It's more interesting because of the characters are going to be interesting, but still very generic fantasy. So I'm not going to go to bad for it. But like, if you're into... Big massive RPG. I think it's a pretty good one of those.
1: I I believe you. Like I, no, yeah. I believe it's amazing. So,
0: but yeah, I I think it's twenty six class, is a a lot to choose from, and every class has three subclasses that you can choose from later. So you know, endless. <laughs> yeah, an
1: in- infinite game here.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: and then Psychonauts two. This is this is one of the best games of the year. Of
0: course. Uh, yeah. Okay. Quomp is a game I played. Uh, it's basically you're the ball in a game of Pong that find a way to get out of the game of Pong and you're just playing the ball, basically. And the ball will move by itself and the only control you have is pressing a spacebar to change if you're going up or down, I think. And it's basically a whole platformer created around this ID. Uh, It's cool, like, for for what it is, like, it it also has this kind of Nintendo design where each level has its own mechanics, so either it's going to be, like, platform that as soon as you touch them, they're going to disappear, so you cannot touch them more than once, or, like, some walls that are going to move with you and that you need to time yourself that you're going to move directly in them to be being able to bounce back uh i feel i have an issue with everything that moves by itself like an auto runner because again the only move you can do is changing your direction from up to down so you're always going left or right without you choosing the speed is i feel like I, sometimes it just bother me that knowing i'm gonna die and having nothing i can do to change it like there's sometimes you're gonna realize 10 seconds before you're in the hole that you're about to die and there's nothing you can do to save yourself. But again, as a, like a small, I feel like as a small design document on how to use a mechanic and then like change the world around it to create new mechanics by itself, it's interesting. Uh, it's a little too long, like it's something like four or five hour and I was like done with it after one or two it's well-made enough that it's worth a look,
1: I think. I, I did try it. Um, I think I also just found it frustrating because I wasn't very good at it and then kept dying and eventually was like, oh, this is an Olivia game. Yes. <laughs> and moved on.
0: Yeah. Have you played the next one?
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, Go ahead. Go, go
0: for it. Well, I, I was just going to say, our next game is Rainer on your Parade and I really didn't like it. <laughs> So that's why I was asking you if you played it because maybe you have more positive stuff to say.
1: I'm more positive on it than that. I, I mean, it, this is a, I mean, it's basically Donut County in reverse, where instead of you know swallowing things up, you are pouring rain from a cloud onto various things. So you know the first, I don't remember what level this comes up, but you know the basic mechanic would be there are a bunch of flowers that haven't sprouted, and so you as a cloud pouring rain color over the flowers to have them spring up and then you know solve various puzzles but it it very quickly does the what the golf thing where all of a sudden you are going through video game homages and you know all these inside jokes about uh, about game culture as a cloud so like for example one of the early levels is you are at Shadow Moses from Metal Gear Solid and you are stealthing past right. troops trying to get to the end and so that's that stuff's kind of neat it's such a slight thing it's hard for me to have any disdain for it but I certainly didn't you know stick with it after my first session
0: our next game is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart do you think it's one of the best games of the year it's probably one of the best games of the
1: year I don't think it's one necessarily one of our best games of the yeah, year.
0: yeah it's not going to be one of our best so let's talk about it here uh, I mean it's the new Ratchet and Clank and the cool thing is basically uh it's a multi-dimension game or whatever and because of the power of the PlayStation 5 or some shit TM you're... TM, TM <laughs> Yeah, you're, uh, but you're able to switch dimension very quickly because the loading are very quick, so they do the thing where there's going to be, like, dimensional rift and you're going to enter them and be in a completely different world uh, very quickly, and it's very impressive on the A level. Uh, it has the exact same issue I have with all other Ratchet & Clank games, is that they're beautiful and they're fun to go through, but they're very uh, bubblegummy to me, and, like, they feel like empty calories all the time because... The gameplay itself is never as good as other platformers can be. And it's like, it's one of those secret shooter, but like, basically it's as much a platformer that a game where you shoot people with it. But like most of, I feel the best guns in Ratchet and Clank are always the gun that you're going to just shoot randomly and it's just going to kill a ton of enemies. So you don't have to literally aim most of the time. You're just like shooting at stuff.
1: I, I do think it is the best Ratchet and Clank game and I, I did have a hard time putting down even if it's empty calories like it does move you from section to section so quickly and there's constantly something new to sort of poke at so it, it doesn't really ever let you get bored which is impressive because it's still you know eight hours long or something like it's still kind of maybe even longer than that like it's still kind of it's long it's pretty for us. yeah long for us it feels pretty lengthy to me without you know me sort of getting fed up with the fact that yes you're just sort of playing a medium quality shooter and it, it is very pretty that that mid section where you're in the canyon with the giant kaiju robot monster that's um smashing you as you kind of grind your way through this ramshackle cowboy town is uh it's very, very cool looking. Yeah, it's Just the visual impressive. presentation is amazing. Like,
0: it's the game to buy to prove yourself that you made the right choice with the PlayStation Five. But like, also, oh.
1: I, yeah, I think it's an easy recommendation. I, I think there are very, very few people who will play this game and not like be dissatisfied. It. You know, it's it is what it is, which is maybe you know not a game of the year game, but is an exceptionally well-made. The studio is impressive that they can bang out so many games all the time. And they're all, you know, among the best-looking games available, and yeah. are polished to the degree that they are.
0: And also, they're supposed to be one of the best places to work at in the game industry. Like they're the best-rated place to work at studio. So, oh, like, I didn't know it, that. they're kind of the proof that like crunch and whatever are not the solution to make triple the games. Well, maybe it's not true. Like, maybe they're crunching like crazy, but they're often they're often rated as the best studio to work in in the game industry.
1: That's lovely. that, yeah. that makes me it's happy. good to hear yeah uh so i think our next three games yes all move into the greater game of the year discussion and that's resident evil village returnal and road 96
0: i agree with you yeah and after that what we have a uh, road book which is another slate aspire spire like this one was designed uh, designed sorry by uh, Richard Garfield, well in part by Richard Garfield, which is known from Magic the Gathering and Netrunner fame. It's one of the better Slater Spire-like. Like, if it was on console, I would tell you to download it as a, an exercise game. The biggest issue I have with it is that it's not a roguelike, it's a rogue light, and there's going to be upgrade in between run. Mm. So sometimes I felt like I was more like kind of grinding the game. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of the art, so basically uh, the metagame in it is that you're exploring this map, and there's going to be those Chibi character, and you're going to go through the map itself, uh, while having the Spire type fight. Uh And I'm not a fan of the art itself, but otherwise, like it's been a really good podcast game for me. Uh, something I, I'm like I've been playing a lot of it. I just don't think it's as elegant as this Spire is again but it's one of the better ones that I'm quite happy to have.
1: I did install it because I saw you bought it. I, I will play it at some point just off that, but... Yeah. Sable I think, is...
0: Yeah, Sable is one of the best games Sable's of the year. Sable is one of the best games of the year. Yes.
1: Yeah. And uh, Scarlet Nexus is not. <laughs> Scarlet Nexus... I like Scarlet Nexus, though. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't finish it. It's, um you know, character action Uh, character action game like a bayonetta with some rpg dating sim elements attached to it i mean it's got a whole lot of story with very little to say it's basically just trying to do um, just cyberpunk military teen cadets Um, and i i was kind of i was warmed by the anime-ness of it all we'll say like having the you know one person on your squad is this vampire romantic and one of them is a you know, Sunetere character who's sort of anyway, looking up to you. And then there's the, anyway, there's just a bunch of cliches and they all have different powers and, you know, you combo those powers in battle. And I, I really like the, um, the basic it's all, everybody has like different, uh, psycho psychokinesis powers basically so I like in combat you would just be kind of able to reach across the room and it's almost like that halo thing we described of like throwing just a big exploding barrel at someone but just kind of reaching around the environment and grabbing a box and whipping it at someone and then teleporting to someone else and I liked it
0: I feel uh, I tried it little. I feel the problem is that I tried it too late I think I would have liked this game if I hadn't played well if I didn't need to play the other anime game that I like better at the same time
1: I understand. (laughs) Yes.
0: The next game we have is Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. So it's basically a Tetris-like take on Shovel Knight. Uh, It's hard to explain, but it works as a kind of a quick turn-based RPG. Basically, you're on a grid and there's going to be enemies falling uh, around and you need to move quickly. To, and when you like bump into an enemy, and he's gonna, you're gonna attack the enemy, and then the is gonna attack you back. But then you need to keep moving because you each move you do, you're keeping this combo uh, going up. And then if enemies are touching other enemies, it creates chains, and they're all gonna like they take damage. Like, all oh, every other similar enemy take damage at the same time, basically, if they're touching each other. It's a cool, fun, like, diversion. Uh, I think it's fairly shallow, but the way they kind of fix the fact that it's shallow is that you're going to play the game at with Shovel Knight first, and it's going to take you three hour, five hour to beat it once. Uh, like, it's a smart play, uh, very small playthrough that are going to last 20, 25 minutes. But, like, you, it makes take you like six or seven tries to beat it, but then you're gonna unlock, a, they have a ton of new character and all the other character all, all have like a different mechanics. So like, say you're gonna have uh, I don't know, I think there's Plague Knight that heals differently than the other characters, so Plague Knight is gonna heal when you attack uh, enemies, when you kill enemies, but they're gonna do you more damage and stuff like that. So I haven't found all the characters themselves. I think if it had been just this single mechanic, which of all would have been boring, but the fact that there's a lot of characters just make it fun to like, see how they change every one of them. It's not something remarkable, but it's a good diversion uh, that would be, like, super good on the phone. It's on the Switch, and it's also perfect on the Switch. Hmm. It yeah.
1: sounds pretty good. Yep. Tell me about Slipways.
0: Uh, okay, Slipways is, like, kind of um, a be a 4X game simplified to an hour game. So forex, i I'm talking... Civilization, Alpha Century, and Less Space, and this kind of shit. This very 40-hour complicated game. And the way it works is that you have, like, a galaxy map and there's going to be a ton of planets, and each planet have better... have resource that they need and resource that they give, and you basically need to create connection between planets, so, like, they all receive the resource that they need and give good resource to other planets. The problem I had with it, like, it's cool. The idea of having a small-scale forex game is cool, but the problem is that it becomes clear quickly that there's one better solution, which is not how a 4X game works in a forex game. Like, you can play as a peaceful ruler, or you can play as a warrior, or whatever. Whereas in Sipways, I felt uh, I was very pushed into a single solution every playthrough I did. So it it ended up feeling more like a puzzle game and a puzzle game that was more reactive to what the piece I would be given than a puzzle game where I would like try solutions. So it felt, yeah, it felt too too restricted for me. It's a cool concept and uh, the art and everything, it works well, like it didn't grab me for a long time.
1: Okay, I was going to ask if this was something I should play, but
0: no, sounds like no. no. <laughs> Sorry.
1: I, I don't know what this next one is either.
0: Yeah, the next game after is SNRK. It's basically a snake-inspired roguelike where all the pieces of your snake are going to be different gun that auto-shoot, basically. It's on phone. It's kind of neat. It's not great. I don't love it. Uh but it was recommended to me as like as as a a cool roguelike binding of Isaac type thing. It's really not. Like you shouldn't expect binding of Isaac, it's much smaller in scope. Like it's really just you're playing the same level over and over as the snake game goes, so it's not a game that you're gonna invest a lot of time in. If you're in, interested in scoring games, maybe it's good. It didn't grab me that much.
1: It's one hell of a premise though.
0: Yes it's kind of cute. Uh, the next game, um, yeah, talk about that.
1: Uh, so Sea of Thieves, the Pirates of the Caribbean DLC came out this year. Uh, and I, I'm sad that I never finished it because I really liked it. I played it with Andrew and a couple other friends. But uh, the opening of this game is the main thing that I wanted to note, which is it opens up and it kind of forces you through like a Disney World queue. And um, you're trying to solve a puzzle and the whole time they've got this really sh- shitty, like, megaphone going off, and it just has someone going, Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> but, and then the first time you hear it, you go, you kind of smirk, but then it just keeps going. <laughs> it's just repeat like looping the same line while you're going through this cavern and just saying it again and again and it just got funnier and funnier it had almost like a um uh like a deep rock galactic like rock and stone feel yes. where it's like when you say something enough times all of a sudden it, it becomes funny. very funny so yeah
0: i was very curious in it because i really like cft but like i don't want to have to play it with our friends so does it work as like a single player story thing or not at all I
1: think probably not. I mean, it probably works about as well as the main Sea of Thieves, which is also, like, fine, but a little touch and go when you get to, like, boss encounters and things like that. Um, Anyway, it's it's more just like it was an excuse to play Sea of Thieves, and I, like, also like Sea of Thieves a lot. Sea of Thieves is... We talked about 12 minutes at the start of this. Sea of Thieves is the secret best escape room style game out there. And I know it's not a literal escape room because you can go anywhere and do everything, but just, like, those elements of clues and the ways that you solve them, the type of logic and problem solving that you do in these of of Thieves is so good.
0: Yeah. The next game we have is Solasta, Crown of the Magister. It's not one of the best game of the year, I just wanna say it now. Uh, Solasta is like, it's an adaptation of the 5e Dungeon and Dragon 5e rules in a dungeon crawling adventure, and um, it's Low budget, so like it really doesn't have the acting and storytelling chops of a um, Pathfinder. Uh, that being said, they did a real good uh, job at like tr- uh, transposing the rules of 5e to a video game. So if you like like playing Dungeon and Dragon, but you don't have like the crowd, and it's hard to do RPG games, TTRPG games these days, it's a very good analog for that. Also, it has a pretty good level creator so as a dungeon crawling thing it's good i liked it for a long time because um because it doesn't have these big production value i felt like i was in a real rpg game that everybody was shitty actors and the story is like bad but like bad in a way (laughs) that it's like you're just doing a bad version of the lords of the ring basically because uh like you find a crown and obviously the crown is going to be evil and shit like it's very fucking obvious but like your main character is like oh a crown and just put put it on their head and uh you create your own character but they have these voices that were actors that don't always fit with the character you created so it creates this very community theater type thing and the stitching of the of the dialogues don't work too well, because it doesn't work the same way uh, as other games do. It's just you're going to tell the personality of your character, and then they're going to interact by themselves depending on their personalities. It's not going to be dialogue choice. It's just the cutscenes going to happen depending on the personality of the character. But sometimes they would talk to each other but it made no fucking sense. And I remember just one of my characters looking at one another character and telling them, I hate you. And it made no fucking sense. But it was kind of perfect <laughs> for some reason. Uh, I, I quite like it for 15-20 hours, but like you kinda s- need to see it as a B RPG. And if you really like DND, it's a good download like, to play DND like this, but like it's not I wouldn't call it a great game but as an infinite d where there's also a level editor, it's kind of cool for that.
1: Yeah, it sounds, it sounds neat.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. The next game we have is Tales of Arise, and I think it's one of the best games of the year.
1: Well, all right. I also think that the one after that, the Artful Escape, is one of the best games of the year.
0: OK. Did you actually play The Ascent? I played like two hours of The Ascent. I really don't like it. It's like a top-down cyberpunk Diablo-like, though. Like calling it a Diablo-like is a little too much. It's more like a twin-stick, uh, twin-stick shooter with some RPG progression and some RPG choice. It has a big case of the CD Projekt Red writing issue, which is everybody hates you and everybody reminds you that you're a piece of shit all the time and your character doesn't have any other personality than being a piece of shit. So, like, it's mostly dialogues of... uh, Like, I think the beginning of the game is, like, you cleaning toilets for a while and, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you're at the bottom of the food chain or whatever, so go clean these toilets and then rats come out and you need to fight the rats and whatever. And it's like... Just people telling you to go fuck yourself all the time. I'm like, I, I don't fucking care. Though it looks fucking good, so it looks great, I guess. But I don't play it much more than an hour because after being told for an hour to go fuck myself, well, I did. And <laughs> this is a good response. Stop there.
1: Uh, yep. Uh, after that, we have the Forgotten City, which, uh, which is one of the best games of the year.
0: It is. Okay. Uh, The game we have after, also an AG remake like Mass Effect, it's The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword AG. I never had played, uh, I never had finished The the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, so it's the first time I played it completely. It's the worst 3D Zelda,
1: I think. Yeah, yeah, hands down.
0: Hands down. There's no no contest. Yes, (laughs) there's so much fucking padding in this game, it makes no fucking sense. And it has so many mechanics that are un-Nintendo-like and how non-fun they are. And that there's a a ton of mechanics that are like, uh, you do this little thing and if you fail it, you have to restart from the beginning and it's like a five-minute thing. Like you're going to drop a barrel or something and you need to go get another barrel like super far away. There's also this fight that you do three times against this big spooky black monster. That you need to do three time, and it's just slowly getting up like a spire. But like it's the worst fucking fight in all Zelda games. And I played it without the move control. But I tried with the move control at the beginning and I fucking hated it.
1: I, I remember that that big spiral monster. I remember I can't remember the narrative reason for it. But I feel like that this Zelda has more narrative in it than any other for some reason. And then that black monster is supposed to be like the origin of evil or something yes. and it's just this giant muppet that's just like tiny arms like a little giant Tyrannos. <laughs> but that's it
0: though like i'd seen this monster in the dynasty warriors all game they made i was like yeah. yeah the design's cool like it's cute it's funny and whatever but like it just doesn't work in context <laughs> at all and like you need to fight his fucking feet but like it's always like Walking and every time like a feed comes on the ground, it has like this AOE effect that's gonna push you back and then you need to run back to it and fight it. But also you're fighting the controls because the fucking controls fucking sucks. So like it's the worst. And uh, yeah, like whatever, like it's still a Nintendo game and it still has those very cool moments of wonder. And I think the graphics are very cool and the art style is very good. And there's like some neat stuff there, but like it's by far the worst, the worst 3D Zelda* I played ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, There are yeah, a couple, minutes, like you said, a couple moments of wonder.
1: So the dun- two or three of the dungeons in it are incredible, yeah. but yeah.
0: Yeah, the last dungeon is super cool. Like you move the whole dungeon around to create like new paths and whatever, and I thought that was a super cool idea. But yeah, and all like. All the motion controls are super gimmicky and never add anything, like, it's never more than Simon says, and, like, even for the sword fighting, it doesn't add that much to the game.
1: They actually, I don't know how much better or worse they are, I mean, you said you didn't really use the motion controls. Uh, when I tried to play it, it just didn't work. Like, all, the, all those boss fights were miserable, because yes. they were just, I just failed them all over and
0: over and over. Yes.
1: Just, like, recalibrating the controller. And then it would fail, and I'm like recalibrating the controller.
0: Eh. But like one of the things that bothers me, so a lot, a lot of the games going to be set up, a lot of the fights are going to be set up that either like the enemy is going to be block horizontally, is going to be blocking horizontally or vertically, and you need to swipe like the appropriate way to fight them. But they always change. Like there's no timing to their changing. So like I was basically just swiping the same way and waiting for them to change their blocking stance because like even if you're trying to be quick and respond to them like they change with no rhyme or reason and there's no like mind game like there's a boss well the main boss of the game you're supposed to like put your uh sword on the right and then swipe the other side quickly because then but like it's clearly a coded and scripted mechanic it's not a mind game of trying to do sword fighting it's just like oh, I'm going to attack on the left first and then attack on the right right after, so he can't block. Yeah. And, yeah, it doesn't work. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. The ramp. The ramp. It's cute. I didn't really play the ramp. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't played it. Even the developer itself, like, calls it more a thing uh, than a, a video game. Like, it's a small uh, top-down skating game where you're playing a ramp and you're in. there's a few levels and you're just, like, Hanging out and those all with your skate and trying to do tricks but there's no uh, uh there's no time there's no point system or whatever the only thing you're going for is to look cool or try to get the achievement it's uh like the physics and the sound and all thing uh, I think it's very well done but like it's really more of a little thing you put on the side to play for 30 minutes that's something you're gonna get invest invested in yeah Yeah. Uh, so the
1: Wild at Heart, I really, really liked. Um, I didn't. I did not play enough of it. I maybe did two, maybe three hours of it. Um, it kind of falls in the category of a Chicory, where there's there is a level of polish here that feels Nintendo-like, and it makes me really want to play more. This is a Pikmin-style game. So you're you're getting You you end up in a you know areas that get increasingly larger, and you have you know you have sections that you know you can't access until you have X item, and so you are trying to basically wander around and find the right Pikmin to move the right thing to get to the right spot so it has this Rube Goldberg like puzzle solution system and it it feels really good and it works really well for a you know it just it just feels good and, and is easy to control and just feels um like bubblegum in a really joyful sort of way but um I the narrative did push me off like I was almost immediately buttoning through cutscenes because it was the incredibly wrote indie video game story of you're a kid you run away and your dad there's only one parent in the picture and so the parent that's left is clearly an alcoholic or depressed about the loss of the other parent and therefore they're not giving you the affection and i'm sure by the end
0: you will have reconciled this but uh okay
1: it's good it's good you should play this this is one worth
0: going through okay i'll play it next game we have is Toan. did you play Toan?
1: yeah
0: Uh, i didn't quite finish it Okay. But
1: uh, I got most of the way through.
0: Yeah, I actually did it in one sitting. So it's like kind of this small, uh, it's a small biogra- uh, biography, sorry, photography game where you're going through small areas, uh, small black and white diorama, and uh, people will ask you to take photography of certain things, and you're going to go around and try to get photos of that. Uh, there's not a lot much to uh, a lot more to it. The only other mechanic I can think of is uh, you unlock a tripod and sometimes, and you can like put the tripod and the camera on top of it and like do cam- uh, do selfies or like photos with you moving in the space. Uh, it's it, I I really liked it. I really like the time I had in it, but like it's a very light and poppy thing. Uh, it's just nice. And, yeah.
1: It is it is something that I wish I had had, you know, when my siblings were even younger because it's complex enough to be interesting for an adult, but then simple enough and sweet enough to be interesting for a kid and like sort of keep your attention span uh, for a kid because there's so many small objectives, just one after another.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly that. Trials of Fire is our next game. So you haven't played this one. It's another slit of Spire like where you're deck building, you're doing a deck and it's actually one of the better ones. Uh, so the deck game is actually also a turn-based RPG in that, like, you cast things on the battlefield and then you're gonna move the thing around in a turn-based fashion. The biggest issue I had with it is that the meta game around it tries to be a full RPG, and it doesn't really work because uh, it's too simple, an RPG, to be an interesting story, everything else, but then there's too many mechanics that it kind of, like you need to count your exhaustion and like your money and all your stuff unlike a satisfier where you adjust your money and your deck building to think about this like there's equipment for your character that are going to change the cards that they have in your deck and if they're exhausted they're going to have more cards in the deck and whatever, whatever. Uh, It just becomes a lot to manage for uh, how good it is but I think it's disappointing because the main deck game is actually really strong and I really liked it to the point where I finished the game once, but I really did not like to engage with the metagame of it.
1: I uh, I really appreciate you keeping keeping abreast of all of these Slay of the Spire likes so that I can find out which are the best ones. Yeah. Uh, next up we have Turnip Boy, which I believe you played more of than I did, but this is, I mean, it's a very cute Zelda-style game Um, what's the full title I didn't write down
0: here? Uh, I don't know. I just have Turnip Boy something something about I think
1: it's it's important to know the full title here. I'm going to look it up. Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Uh, I think my favorite favorite part of the game Turnip Boy might just be that the title is Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion.
0: Yeah, it's not a strong Zelda-like, and it actually like it doesn't feel great. The fighting doesn't feel great, but it's basically a lot of stuff is a joke about the fact that you're a silent protagonist. So like again, like it's Onion Man, or I don't know, like the, the 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 mayor of the city comes to you and asks you to pay your taxes, but because you're a silent protagonist, you're just not answering. And he's like, well, you're committing tax evasion and whatever, and then you need to solve problem. And there's a few good jokes about the fact that you just don't answer people and you just, like, you're a turnip boy with a smile on his face and you're just looking at people, like, all smiley and shit. I thought there were a few good jokes around that, but, like, it's not. Yeah. After you got the joke, it's fine.
1: Did you play Unpacking? I didn't. You didn't? Okay. Um. I... I think if you had played it, it's possible un- unpacking might end up in our short list. Uh, I liked it so much more than I was expecting to.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's the thing for everybody about this game. Yeah,
1: but even even having heard the buzz, I was, I mean, I'm I'm not a pixel art fan, no. and uh, I figured that the story would fall into a you know well-worn territory for indie games. Uh, but it it is it's really quite excellent, quite well put together. Um, I, I mean, it's it is exactly what it proclaims to be. It is a game where you are going through someone's life by unpacking and sorting their their room, and then their house, and then their or you know it goes from their room into their first apartment, into their uh, their first apartment with a significant other, into their first house. Uh, at some point, they you know they move back home. And it, what's really impressive about it is that it just manages to actually paint a pretty clear picture of who this person is. And um, even the really simple things, like I'm sure you've heard about the, the chicks, but like there is an element of this person clearly collects this specific item so then add, throughout their whole life they're adding more and more of these things so you get to kind of decide like how much do they want to display or do they want to hide it in a cupboard. Uh, and it's, it gives you enough control of where you would want things to go but also enough restriction that you do need to sort of adhere to the character. So you know where you place their workstation becomes very important. So you know the when you move into your into your partner's house or your first partner's house, your your workstation ends up like on a coffee table and under the bed, and then that is a sign that like this relationship is not destined to last. And uh, anyway, the one of the constants in the whole game, and I'll spoil the end, but one of the constants is the the pig that's on the cover of the game. And so I. I was worried this game would end on like a very sour note, but all that it is at the ending is just that you have a kid and you get to put that doll in your kid's bedroom and you know let it sit there and anyway, it's it's really quite enjoyable and it's yeah. very satisfying and it doesn't overstay its welcome and uh, I like it.
0: I should actually play it because, uh, like you, I was very cynical. Even airing, like I think it won Eurogamer Game of the Year or something like that. Even airing, everybody raving about it. I'm like, meh. It it
1: feels impossible that it could be yes. that good. Uh, and, and you know, listen, like it's not. It's not going to blow your mind, but it is a very well made. Well made title. I should
0: play it. The next game we have is Unsighted. So Unsighted is like a Metroidvania, a top-down Metroidvania inspired by Zelda's and uh, all those. It's sci-fi where you're playing robots and all the other characters are robots and the thing that is interesting about this game other than it being hard like a soul-like and having all those soul-like type mechanic is that everyone is living on a timer and you um you get uh this resource that you can keep for yourself to give you more time or give more time to the npcs but like in a playthrough if you don't give that resource to NPCs. Uh, they're all going to die in your playthrough, but like, if you don't keep it enough for yourself, you might not get it to the end. I mean, it's really cool. My biggest issue I had with it is that I found the visual style. So it's pixel art. And well done pixel art, but I found the visual style to be really busy and really hard to parse. So it then make, I think it feels like, um moment to moment the gameplay feels well but feels very good, but like I don't like having to parse it out. I, I it's probably a very good game, I just didn't keep up with it because I don't know, the style and the stress was a little much for me. I should say there's also an easy mode. Well you can deactivate the timers if you want, but like I feel if you deactivate the timers, I I, I mean as an accessibility option, outside of the game, you can say I won't play without the timers ticking down all the time. Uh, it kind of removes what makes the game interesting. So it's kind of this weird push and pull that uh, I think that mechanics is really cool, but also really stressful. But if I want to engage fully with this game, I want to go with all the mechanics. And worst case scenario, I just never finish it. But right. yeah.
1: Uh, okay, next up here I, I'm just gonna mention it because it was a b- big disappointment to me but WarioWare, get it together it's the latest WarioWare game and um it's uh it's the only one I've played and just I just don't like it this was for a moment this was my most anticipated game and it's just it just did nothing for me I, I think I only played it for an hour and got so frustrated that i I gave up on it. It's a WarioWare game in that you know it continues to be micro it's little micro games that are all quite short and you play them in in sequence one after another the the thing that this game does unlike the other warrior wares is that you it has a character select which means that you are basically picking different skill sets for different challenges which means that inherently some of them you're going to be ill-equipped to handle uh, which adds like a metagame to this that i just it doesn't match what works about warrior wear whatsoever uh so every time i would fail i would sort of feel like i wasn't learning anything i was just oh i i bungled it and then so you eventually end up having to pick you end up getting to pick a series of characters and so then you play them in sequence and then as you're going into a new character's world you always have that character and then you have a couple support characters way too much way too much for what warrior wear is good at yeah. and um yeah anyway i I didn't. Maybe, maybe there is magic in there if you get deeper in. But I was just so disappointed that I didn't stick with it.
0: Yeah. And our last game is uh, Wildermit, and I think it ends well because it's a game I'm going to keep. Okay. So I, I was going to. I was going to say this
1: is probably. This is probably for the short list.
0: Yes, it's going to be in the short list.
1: How many games do we have here in this short list? Twenty-three games. Okay. Not so bad. Okay.
0: This is the end of part 1. In part 2, me and Raf will talk about our 23 favorite game of the year and order them in the top 10, so don't miss it!